Meanwhile, back at the Hall of Justice, our mild-mannered podcasters were bombarded by gamma rays, bitten by radioactive bugs, mutated by toxic waste, irradiated with cosmic rays, born into a world that doesn't understand them. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Talking Comics Podcast. It's Wednesday, January 11th, 2023, and you're listening to episode number 580. I am your host, Steve Say, and joining me for this week's show are Mr. Bob Ryer. 580? Really? No. That's right. Yeah, I was uh, I was freaking out a little bit when I was making the outline. I can't believe it's been 580 episodes. We're almost to 600. Um, I don't know what we're going to do about that, but what we're going to do right now is welcome back. Say hello to Joey Brachino is in the house. Right. Hello. Hello, me. <laughs> Good day, mate. Good day. And also joining us is Aaron Amos. Hello. Steve is bringing the big energy today. I'm, I'm getting hyped. What's going on? Big, Listen, big energy. Slightly Whoa. above average energy. I all that. I, I didn't see all that. Um, That's okay. I, I did. Owning your home. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever keeps you around, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Wow. We have just begun. Yes, yes. So I forgot to take John Burkle's name off of the outline. So John Burkle, hello. Not He's here. Not here. Hate Paw Patrol. Here. It sucks. <laughs> <laughs> rolled up sleeves. My sleeves are rolled up and I just want to punch the Paw Patrol puppy in the face. <laughs> Those darn kids, that internet and that government. And that hot pumpkin daddy energy. <laughs> yes. Chris Carey is here. Hey, it's 2023, new year, new me, no more Damien jokes, but also new me because this is the Chris that exists after watching Venom 2. It's a very different Chris oh, than the God. one that existed before Venom 2. <laughs> and I just need you all to prepare. Like, I'm a whole new person now. I'm the person that's seen Venom 2. I'm so yes. mad. I'm so mad at this entire situation. <laughs> I, it's really great. I'm just going to slowly figure out what each host hates and make an entire <laughs> year of jokes about it. <laughs> uh, gives you a lot of time on the show. We love that. I'm just saying. This is Joey's year to suffer. Oh. See, Aaron, Aaron, aren't you so glad? We, I moved on. <laughs> oh, I, ch- I usually check out when we get to things like Damien. I'm sorry. I didn't. <laughs> what, 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 what were we talking I about? I didn't even do it this time. <laughs> Robin Kelly Say is also here. It's me. I'm the problem. It's me. <laughs> it's me. Hi. <laughs> so, Chris, before we before we get to our uh, planned banter for this week's episode, tell me what was your experience with Venom Two? Oh no 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 no! no <laughs> right up no, top, no. right up top. Oh Jesus my god. Uh, okay, so. <sighs> Venom 2 is the rom-com monster fucker I needed in my life. Um, it was everything I wanted and infinitely more. Uh, I was live 
tweeting it directly at Ben Khan as both of us dissected how we changed as people the minute we witnessed this movie. Um, and I can't think of anything else. And I have literally come up with a Venom inspired tattoo that I'm thinking of getting Ben Khan's partner oh. to do on me. So, nice. Oh no. That's a real <laughs> fact. I want it was I wanted to say first you make the beast beautiful and then it's Venom with like a bow. <laughs> That's amazing. I would, love, I would love that for you. I, it's, it's really going to happen. <laughs> I'm glad. I'm glad. I'm glad. No, I'm not. glad <laughs> that there are people that like Venom. It's so good. And they are all Venom? on this podcast. First of all, Ben Khan is not on the podcast at the moment. I have you oh. know. Second of all, uh, the first one was fine. It was a boring movie, basically. The second one has escalated in queerness to such a level that Venom, the monster symbiote itself, has a coming out scene in a gay bar in which he says he's coming out of Eddie's closet. How am I not going to like this movie? It Honest to God, it was glorious. <laughs> it ends with them on a Beach saying I love you. It's basically Heartstopper. I don't know what you want for me. I love it. And I my hope is that by movie five, it'll be full Mamma Mia musical. That's all I want. It's definitely the gayest thing to come out of Sony. It's the gayest thing to come out of superhero movies. And I watched Falcon and Winter Soldier, okay? Venom <laughs> <laughs> 2 is, is Andy Circus directed? Uh -huh, yes. Uh -huh. Yeah. What a okay. queer king. What a king. So I think I think you've got a shot at musical. If you've seen 13 going on 30, he has he has the music saying. in him. I'm just KPD saying way back when. Our well, goal is to do what he wants. Venom, Venom, wonderful though it may be, it's because of Venom that we're getting Craven the Hunter next year. Hey, and bad and bad bunnies. What is that movie called? Bad bunnies. Uh, El Muerto. <laughs> Yeah, I wish it was called Bad Buddies. <laughs> Seriously, missed opportunity. I know. Aren't they making, hey. Isn't there another one coming out? Like another random Sony villain Spider-Man movie? Uh, the Donald Glover one. Oh, oh, yes. See, but if they give Donald Glover freedom to do whatever the hell he wants, like they did um, with, uh, what's his face? Oh my God, what is his name? He's just Venom now. Uh, Tom, Hardy. <laughs> Tom Hardy, Tom thank Hardy. you. If it, just give him the permission to do what he wants. He will make something equally unhinged, and I will love it. And it That's will also be gay AF. Let's it be honest. Is, it's we, another we... villain movie called the for the Hypno Hustler. Love it. It already sounds gay. Are you kidding me? Oh Are you God. kidding me? With disco oh. balls and everything, yes. I've disco seen, balls. I've seen what Donald Glover does <laughs> when you, he is improving because I have seen community. I see what you're putting down there, Bob. And I he got makes you. it gay. Is all I'm saying. <laughs> Look, if 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 it's a big if if they bring back King Andrew Garfield to be in these films, <sighs> then, then will I will just... then all will be forgiven. <laughs> All right, just, all right, all right. Okay, if if they put in the most bisexual Spider-Man in these films, it'll just like continue to peak off the queer charts. Because so. <laughs> he was my least favorite Spider-Man. Oh, he's my most favorite. I love well, him. Really was. Andrew Garfield's my most favorite person in the universe. Yes. Oh, they, same, same, Joey. Oh, no, 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 no. I'm just talking about Spider-Man. I'm not talking about Garfield himself. I, I actually really like Garfield. I just, just I remember when I watched. Because only, he only did two, right? The third one was canceled. It was, yeah. 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 The second one is trash, but he was good. One, when I watched it, the individual components, I, I don't know how we got to this topic, but I remember the individual components, I was just like, hmm, that works. I like the, the, the what's her face, the La La Land lady. Emma Stone. Thank you. <laughs> uh, 
Um, <laughs> La La Land lady. A La La Land lady who undeservedly won an Oscar, but what else? But yeah. I uh, come from me. I don't care. But oh, I you're right. No, no. Watching. <laughs> Everyone's on board. <laughs> and thinking, I like a lot of these components, but it felt like at the time Spider-Man was too confident. Like he was too, he was too like tough. He was too. Mm. Andrew Garfield's know. too sexy to be Peter Parker. Just say but, it. I, I agree, just say, I agree with that entirely, entirely, Chris. Yeah. I thought <laughs> if he had played it the way he played it in the most recent, his most recent effort uh, in the Holland movies, I was like, okay, I would, I like that one better. I liked that portrayal of Spider-Man that he did of Spider-Man better than the ones he did in the films. I agree. I I have a confession to make. Oh God, I've, I've heard never it. actually seen the Andrew Garfield Spider-Man. <laughs> They're good. They are and good. So, like my problem wasn't that it was Andrew Garfield or anything like that. I really do like Andrew Garfield. I think he's fabulous. But um, it was that the uh, original, and I'm so sorry, but the original Spider Man's burned me so bad. Yeah. Um, because we all I, saw three. It's okay, Broadman. Say what you three think. Doesn't, three doesn't count. I hate. I hate what's his dude. Toby yes. Maguire. So I'm not even saying his name. I can't. I hate him so much. Like and like, not as a person. I'm sure that he is a lovely person. So, I just Broadway I mean, has a wide net with that first phrase. I hate I him so saying, much. Broadway has a secret a nemesis that he, she do. knows him in real life and just want a minute. We can't. I just every single time I see his face, I have this unbelievable rage, and it, I don't know why. <laughs> I just want to punch him so did, bad. Um, did you see Babylon yet? No. Oh okay. He, Babylon. First of all, I'm not going to talk too much about Babylon. Babylon is, and it's talking about La La Land. Babylon is an insane film. It is okay. three <laughs> hours long. It is the craziest thing. Um, Tobey Maguire is in it for like maybe three minutes. And okay. he is disgusting. <laughs> yeah, he is. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> disgusting. If you want to, like, the punching is warranted in, this, okay. in, in the five minutes that he's on screen. Margot Robbie I, is a force, though. I love oh, her. She She's amazing. She's so good. Oh god. Okay. So well, knowing he's only in it for like that many see. minutes, I will might I, I might actually be able yeah. to watch it. But like, and legitimately, you're he, to be skeeved out by him. Oh, success. I can't. I can't. I hate that guy. Anyway, <laughs> to- Toby produced and stars in a movie called Porn Sacrifice. Oh. Where he okay. plays Bobby Fischer, the absolutely nut job chess player. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And yeah, Max no. Schreiber as Boris Spassky. It's a wonderful movie. And his performance is off the charts. Toby Maguire was also Seabiscuit. The horse Seabiscuit? actually Seabiscuit. He was in the horse costume the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Oh, anyway, uh, what are we doing tonight? What's happening? <laughs> hey, you know, Bronwyn made her bold take about having not seen them. I, I will reveal here my hot take about No Way Home. Oh, that- no. <laughs> See, like, don't do it. I'll don't have to cut it. you off the show. Oh, God. I I'm, mean. I'm serious. What This this episode is already way off the rails, so you gonna- might as well go ahead. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Venom 2 is better than No Way Home. That movie is shit. All right. There you go. <laughs> 
you never have one of those moments where like the universe shift and your 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 quantities of respect shift for people. You never liked me. Chris, I told you Aaron was the only one on the show that was like, Why are you guys like this movie so much? It's not that good. And and it I sucks. told you when you dropped yeah. it in the Skype chat, I was like, when Aaron reads this, his universal respect for you is gonna shift. <laughs> oh, so he does like me now. Yeah, I misunderstood. She came at it from an entirely different way. Like I don't, I don't, I don't know shit about Venom because I haven't seen it. I just, Fair. I have it's, this weird thing about Tom Hardy, and he talks. It makes me weird. I and he like does I'm, talk weird in this movie, especially. I will say. But um, but you know, and at first I thought it was just a character, but I was like, no, that's just him, and that's kind of weird. Yeah. I feel like someone should check under the floorboards in all of his houses. <laughs> yeah. But I, he I, needs an yeah, oil change. But, yeah, I do. yeah. When we did that, when we did that whole Spider-Man No Way Home thing, I was just like, "This was two hours of a problem he created. Why did we do? Why did we watch he, that, this?" No, not just that he created. He created because he didn't get into one fucking college, Aaron. Not just like there's, I. I'm sorry. I've been turned down by many colleges, and I've yet to destroy the universe. So I guess I'm stronger than Spider-Man. I was just like, I, did, I felt like I wanted more for Peter Parker and Spider-Man in terms of a trauma. I'm like, he almost destroyed the multiverse because, just yeah. because, because he because MIT was a little persnickety with him. Hate to break it to you, it's only four like, years of your life, and you will move on anyway, Spidey. Like, like it's fine. So recognizing that at the end of the movie, I'm like, why am I supposed to consider this a hero moment when it's only a, the people that he's fighting he brought here? It was his yeah. fault. You also, here. his solution was not necessary. I can go at a log tangent. I won't do it. But he didn't have to do that. He just anyway. sacrificed for the sake of it because, I don't know, ego, probably. <laughs> There's ego, no reason. Ego, probably. That's <laughs> ego, I ego. hate that movie. It he made me so mad. Iron Man, so. <laughs> Fair. I literally, I sent Steve and Bronwyn maybe like two hour long snap as I was driving home <laughs> just telling them how miserably angry that movie made me. Like, I didn't hate it, hate it. I just didn't think it was good. I, I hated it, hated it. Because they did like- they. They were like, what if we nuke everything good about this Spider-Man? What if we destroy the fact that he has relationships? He has connections. He doesn't believe that it's a weakness to trust people. What if we get rid of all of that? What if? And he's just like every other Spider-Man now. It was once again, the parts didn't add up to the the whole. Yeah, stupid. It was stupid. And also, he didn't save those supervillains. They went back to die. Just saying. (laughs) (laughs) Them's the rules, damn it. You can't fix somebody at the moment of their death and not move them away from the moment of their death and think they're not going to die. I'm sorry. <laughs> all right. <laughs> now that we all have that to chew on. <laughs> Joey, you have yeah. returned from yes. your honeymoon. I would yes. love it if you could share with us uh, your uh, yours and Emily's adventures. It was great. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Aaron, you like Broadway. I, I, uh, I, um, it was wonderful. We spent like 18 days, I want to say. Well, like it was 18 days, but two of those, three of those were traveling. We, we went to, um, we flew to Sydney, Australia. Oh yeah. Um, had a wonderful few days there, climbed the bridge, saw the opera house. Couldn't see a show there. It is Christmas there, despite it being summer, which is bizarre. Um, we fed some kangaroos and, oh. and koalas, and it was beautiful. Um, 
And then we hopped on a boat to New Zealand. Uh, and we visited both islands. I, you know, we were in Auckland where Weta Studios is, uh, went to, went to Hobbiton, which yes. was amazing for our nerdy friends, the listeners here. Yes. Um, Hobbiton was beautiful. I literally, we rolled up to Hobbiton and first of all, New Zealand is the most beautiful place ever. Like it is just like glorious, untouched, wonderful. Um, you roll up to I roll up to Hobbiton, and I almost like burst into tears. <laughs> like it is, oh. it is like those movies are amazing. Uh, first of all, but like to be there, first of all, it's an exterior set, so there's nothing inside of the Hobbit holes. But it doesn't matter because it is just still just absolutely stunning, and you get to go to the Green Dragon and have an ale and a oh. sand and a, and a toasty, you know. <laughs> and it's 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 just it was beautiful. Um, a lot of nature hikes, a lot of uh, just chilling on the boat. It was the most relaxing two weeks I've had in a very long time. Um, and. <laughs> We would like post photos and things to, to social media. Emily mainly did. And people would like message her and be like, are you guys okay? And we were like, what's wrong? What's why, why, why would you think we're not okay? And they were like, you guys just look so different. And we were like, is it because we're happy? <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> and, like, and, like relaxed and like calm and like not like looking like ravaged by the world like um so no it was it was really really wonderful um great food on the boat great cocktails on the boat um definitely need to detox and uh you know just uh enjoy the rest of our lives now um did you go to blue lake when you were in new zealand no we were on a it was a cruise so like we were only in like the ports that they obviously dropped us off in like even hobbiton was like an hour bus ride from the port that they dropped us in so like there were some things that we were able to schedule but otherwise we were kind of just like restricted to the ports um but it was beautiful and it was amazing and uh i would go back in a heartbeat like the the plane ride is hard yeah uh but having done it now twice um we flew to la from new york and then we flew from la to um sydney it's like 13 hours 14 hours it's not bad if you have movies like i watched a bunch of movies um but now that i've done the flight i'm like whatever i'll do it again uh because also like australia is gigantic and all we saw was sydney for only like three days and like new zealand is such a it's so beautiful but it's also very um what's the word like it's it's manageable right like it is two islands but like to drive from the top of the south island to the bottom of the south island is like nine hours so like we were on we were on this like bus tour and sitting we we were sitting next to this couple and they're like oh where you guys from and we were like oh from new jersey and they're like no shit we're from new jersey and i'm like fuck yeah new jersey man we're everywhere um (laughs) and they were like yeah we just retired and we're taking this cruise and then we're gonna come back here and drive around new zealand for like eight weeks and i'm like what that's amazing like i want that life um we met some really cool people on the boat uh there was this awesome couple from Christchurch. um he was from samoa and uh they told us because we were like oh what are you guys doing on the boat and we're like oh it's our honeymoon we just got married a couple months ago and they're like oh that's so nice and we really connected and then they were like we do this every we have this tradition where every month on our anniversary date 
um, one of us cooks like an anniversary meal. So we don't celebrate our anniversary yearly. We celebrate our anniversary monthly. And uh, we're going to steal that and do that every month now. Uh, So thanks to Joe and Mary. Yeah, we've sat with Joe and Mary on our Christmas cruise. but uh it was it was awesome it was really amazing if you can get to new zealand go uh to our listeners in australia good day you know like what's up <laughs> um and uh your country's beautiful and uh yeah i want to go back it's i want to go back right now i'm over this I'm over this shit it's cold <laughs> <laughs> saw penguins it was great freaking amazing <laughs> you sound I so angry that. about it I'm angry i'm here <laughs> incredible yeah well glad that you're home glad that you had an amazing time and uh, i hope you get to do it again one day oh we will Excellent. i don't know what that was but <laughs> that uh, was the cat falling <laughs> graceful okay? creatures there she's fine he literally was on top of my cord and i told him to shoo and he said to dramatically fall instead of shooing <laughs> I'm like, I didn't touch you. You did that to yourself. (laughs) (laughs) Aaron, please, before we get to our books, tell me about your Broadway adventures. (laughs) Yeah, I took a train to New York. It doesn't hold a candle to... (laughs) Sorry, you should have gone first. (laughs) (laughs) Flying around the world uh, to meet Joe and Mary. (laughs) Shout outs to Joe and Mary. No, I took a couple of days this weekend to just go and... Uh, being a different environment, I went to New York, and so uh, a friend of the show, Carolyn Coca, uh, met me on Saturday. Uh, we had a nice uh, dinner and decided to catch a show, and we went to go see uh, Take Me Out with Jesse Williams and Jesse Ferguson, uh, Tony Award winner, uh, and it was great. Uh, it was it was a really great show. It had layers in it that we didn't think uh, we had anticipated. We didn't really know what to think other than that. You know the hot take you get about the the coming out of a, a baseball player, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, really, really had a, a good time there. Um, lots of penis. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> lots of penis. Um, there is there is full nudity in this. Um, and also, I would like to announce that you know Jesse and I are now engaged because he threw up a peace sign and said hi to me as I waved at him when we walked. Oh, oh, congratulations! Yeah. Pretty you know, sexy. I love it. engaged uh, because, you know, Simu has a girlfriend on Instagram now, so I'm done with him. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. you know, there's that. And then there was Sunday. I wanted to catch another show. Um, I was inquiring with our resident theater buff uh, as to what to see. And it was interesting that he gave all four shows that Carolyn and I had been speaking about the day before. Uh, the one I wanted to see because it was closing was Strange Loop. So I was able to get tickets from the tickets to half price ticket counter uh on broadway got there got my tickets got to the venue and there's a guy outside handing out flyers saying yeah the show's canceled the cast is sick oh no so so it's like 10 minutes to seven all the shows start at seven i'm like well this bites and so me and my doc martens ran across (laughs) broadway to the other side to the theater where six was playing and i just walked up and i was like what do you got well, she said, we got all kinds of things. Uh, so I got tickets to six, which was Hello. amazing. Um, uh, yeah, it was just great. I love six. <laughs> um, and there were a bunch of people that came in behind me, all of whom were telling the same sob story to the uh, folks at the uh, booth, at the ticket booth, at the box office. 
they're just like, yeah, strange loop. They're just like, yeah, we know, we know, what do you want? <laughs> like, we've all we've heard it already. Um, so yeah, so a bunch of people apparently slid on over to other theaters after uh, Strange Loop was canceled, and so I guess I'll never get to see Strange Loop on Broadway because it closes soon. But Aww. had a great time. Uh, interestingly enough, I realized my ticket for both shows, um, Strange Loop and I'm sorry, Six and Take Me Out. We're the exact same row, exact same seat numbers. Just kind of that's gotta be an omen. Oh, in different yeah. theaters. In I think so. Theaters. I was like, it's gotta be some sort of omen. I was sitting in the exact same place in the orchestra on the same side in the same row. So yeah, gotta figure out what that means, astrology wise and play the uh, mm-hmm. ball. <laughs> um, but no, good time, good, good time. So I've been listening to the six uh soundtrack on repeat Ugh. on my phone. It's um, so good, isn't it? Oh my god. So, yeah, it, it was great. It was a lot of energy, a lot of high energy. Um yes. yeah. And then I stopped at our favorite place, and if you know, you'll know, and I got my cookies. Excellent. And, uh, and went back to my room and, and basically crushed them up into a fine powder, got some razor blades and a twain dollar bill. And- snorted off of the Aaron, I was going to ask, which queen are you? You know Ooh. what? I did- <laughs> Anne Boleyn was cracking me up. Yes! <laughs> she-, she was cracking me up. I, I just kept going back to her. Although... Um, I, the the one from Germany, yes, <laughs> yeah, kept yeah, twerking yeah. and dropping it low, and I was like, on a yes, yes. I, like, yes. I, like, I, like, I liked her. We <laughs> like we her should show. all be one of the six queens. <gasps> yes, I love that. <laughs> Wouldn't be the first time. <laughs> <laughs> Has anybody on this show ever seen the Broadway the Beetlejuice? Yeah, yes. oh, I've listened to it. I haven't seen it. I saw it. Here's what I'll tell you about Beetlejuice. It closed. It closed yesterday. Um, Beetlejuice, the show. When we went to go see it, people were like cosplayed up. Like people were like so crazed and wild to see that show, and had the time of our their lives watching it. We left that theater and could not tell you a damn thing about that show. Couldn't sing you a lick. Couldn't oh. tell you a lyric. Couldn't tell you a plot point other than oh obviously God. the basic. Well, I could straight up sing every line of it right now. So, but like I said, clearly an incredible, enjoyable experience for the fans of the Beatle. All you gotta do is say my name, Joey. The fans, the fans that wanted the juice, got the juice that night. I love it. <laughs> there was an article in our local paper today. Uh, someone opened. The Beetlejuice immersive experience on the island, where it, it, well, they do a haunted house in this place. You're saying is that not just getting haunted? <laughs> no, it is, you can walk into it and you can pose at in the graveyard at the coffin. You yeah. can lie in the coffin. You can take pictures. You can interact with folks. Uh, they then show the movie, and that has an interactive portion in the middle. When we get to the calypso, the they go through the audience and everyone gets stood up and they do a whole conga line kind of Aww. thing. It's like, okay. So if the show is closed, there, there are options here on Long Island if you want. Oh, yeah. Bob, you might know, what do they do at the Amityville house now? Ooh. It is, it is, it doesn't look the same. No, it's no, like no, unrecognizable. Yeah, yeah sadly. They, they no more devil eyes. And, yeah. Um, because it was a, it's it's another horror movie from that period. It's the tourist trap in that people oh, just rope up and down Ocean Avenue yeah. in Amityville to look for the house and park and take pictures, and so people just <laughs> change the look of the house. The third or fourth turn after the Lutzes. Sure. Yeah. All right. Well. 
<laughs> see, you, see you next week. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Good night. Thank that you was for a fun us. review of things to do in New York, right? <laughs> I said goodnight. <laughs> All right, so uh, what books are we looking forward to this week? <laughs> oh shit! Good thing you said that because I didn't make that list. So uh, <laughs> you won't you won't have to go first for lightning rounds. Um, I'll give you the breakdown for the show finally. Oh god, is that where we're at? <laughs> yeah. Yep. We got a bunch of lightning rounds, a bunch of books to talk about. Uh, very light news week this week. Uh, if we even get to the news, we'll talk about a trailer for sure. But um, there's some stuff floating around. Nothing very exciting. Beginning of the year is always a little rough, although we are supposed to be getting a, a new Ant-Man Mania trailer this evening. Uh, and there's rumblings of other trailers that are going to be popping up in the next couple of days, too. So maybe by next week, we'll have a little bit more to talk about on that end. Because nobody loves anything more than hearing about a visual thing on an audio <laughs> podcast. <laughs> um, but... What we're going to do is we're actually going to start with Bronwyn Ooh. this week for a lightning round. Uh, do we want to include my comics resolutions in that? Sure, because I didn't totally forget that we were doing that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, my comics resolutions for 2023 are to beat my Webtoons numbers from 2022. Good so that Lord, Bronwyn. <laughs> to read more than 12,057 issues and what? I have to read yeah <laughs> and I have to read more than 312 days god <laughs> yeah every night before she goes to bed <laughs> I'm trying to do the math 12,000 divided by 312 is 400 but <laughs> is that right I mean oh close give or take <laughs> Bronwyn reads so inhumanly quick. Yeah. I swear. You <laughs> you are does. an ex person. It is it is <laughs> it's my un- superpower. Believable. There are times when she has to do like mandatory reading for a podcast or something, and it'll be like a day or two to spare. And I, I'll say to her, you know that that's like fifty-four <laughs> issues, right? And she'll just look at me and she's like, I are they're already done. <laughs> I'm excited to see when you start reading for our Gotham Outsiders episode with the 52 issue arc. That's actually my next one is finish Batman Eternal. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> it's also start Batman Eternal. So. <laughs> All right, what uh, do you also... got for us this week? Hmm? Oh, I have two more resolutions. Oh, sorry, go ahead. I want to read a really good Tim book and <gasps> I want to get back into X-Men. Steve's going to yes! curate me a list. Yes. So. I, I right. will curate you a Tim list too. If yes. You want. Perfect. Yes. Thank you. Yes. That's all, right, all I so want. <laughs> for this week, I have four things to talk about. I want to start with one I got from Joey. She Eats the Night by Sana Takeda and Marjorie Liu. I freaking love this book. So you got to meet Millie and Billy, a pair of regular Chinese American twins who are basically kicking ass and taking names. They've got a hop in restaurant and it's even managing to stay afloat through a pandemic. A visit from their parents, though, takes a bit of the bloom off the rose when Ippo and Kian aren't perhaps as impressed with Millie and Billy's self-reliance as they could be. Ippo decides it's time for her to take the twins under her slightly less than overtly maternal wing and teach them some life lessons through the care and restoration of the creepy murder house across the street. Ooh! A slow burn right up until it isn't. Ipo's life lessons and the history between Ipo and Keon both take deep lefts at Albuquerque that are so worth the wait. 
You know, the other day when you were going through like your catchphrase lines. <laughs> yes. Left, left at Albuquerque is definitely <laughs> one of them. <laughs> it's so effective. It really is. It describes it really a lot. Is. Yeah. It covers a lot of ground. So did I do that justice, Joey? <laughs> yes. Sorry, I was muted. <laughs> I was making my I was making my books I'm excited oh, for list because I forgot. So I'm I was sorry, muted. I'm sorry, I put you on the yes, spot. Yes, it was it's I was waiting till your lightning round was done because I have decorum. Okay. <laughs> well, I apologize. No, I will move no, on. It is it is incredible and you're absolutely right. And the artwork is Oh my god. Amazing. Yes. I'm glad you put Sana Takeda's name first because I think that like <laughs> it speaks to how important that artwork is in that story. Oh, it's so glorious. Just, oh my God. Um, my next book is The Last Bloodline from Webtoon. And so that one, and you're going to have to forgive me by names because there's a lot of them here. So it's art by Weo Wang, flatting by Sati, 3D modeling by Wolfus, lettering by Ghana Green, concept and storyboard by Maria Lee, concept and written by Quinn Sosna Spear, edited by David Lee and produced by Ausman. So, we have bumbling, innocent, adorable university student Mallory is just smiling her way through life, not thinking too deeply about anything that isn't her thesis. And look, yeah, a- yeah anyone who has spent any time in school can relate, am I right? Yeah. <laughs> There's only so much brain space. Know all of the scientific and taxonomic names of any species of flora or fauna? Sure. Function well enough to actually get an Uber? Not so much. <laughs> Girl, same. But despite having been left on a church step mysteriously as an infant and raised in an orphanage due to the absolute dearth of available family, our heroine finds herself trying to make her way to a creepy mansion in New York for the reading of a will from a long-lost uncle. Hoping to find some kind of family connection here, Mallory sets out, only to instead be set upon by, wait for it, vampires. Apparently, there are multiple covens of vampires, and while they don't tend to get along, they are united in one thing, preventing Mallory from becoming the queen of them all. (laughs) Very dramatic. (laughs) Uh, My next book is Cherry Crush, and this is also a webtoon by Yemsao. Uh, This is a cute story about an office worker named Cherie with a secret unrequited question mark infatuation for his roommate crush or is it dun dun Mm. da this adorable story of two friends who are deeply and desperately in love with one another but can't for the love of lord byron and all of his biscuits communicate with one another (laughs) seems like it might be just another idiots in love story and don't get me wrong that's my jam i love Mm. that shit but This story takes a bit of a turn for the mysterious, when things from Crush's past start to percolate back into his and Cherry's life, adding complications in the form of burning buildings, strange acquaintances, and a ticking clock on their remaining time together. Tune in for season two. (laughs) Yes. And last, but in no way least, is a novel that I just finished and is probably my favorite book of all time and when i tell you that i read a lot and when steve tells you that i read a lot bronwyn reads a lot (laughs) (laughs) i have finished 13 novels in 2023 it is it is just week two (laughs) it 
is the ninth on a recording day. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so this is an incredible novel by R.F. Kuang. A translator herself, R.F. Kuang uses language as the key to the empire in this mind-blowing fantasy version of Victorian England, where she explores colonialism and the power of words to create, betray, and destroy. Mm. We follow yes. Robin Swift <laughs> from his early childhood in China through his relocation to England and eventual enrollment into Babel, the translation college in Oxford. Robin and his cohort run the entire gamut from starry-eyed optimists to guerrilla resistance fighters as they navigate the murky waters and political minefields of higher education at the hands of colonizers. Yeah. This book, yeah. dear Lord, I can't. Yeah. This is going to live rent-free in my head for the rest of time. Mm -hmm. It is incredible. All of the characters are beautiful and complex and lovable and approachable. And to navigate this really intense and very disturbing concept and still make it such an enjoyable read. And when I tell you that I was literally halfway through this book before <laughs> I finally went to Chris and was like, I thought this was a romance novel. <laughs> First of all, I never said that, listeners. Take it to the tape on that Thirsty on Tune episode. I did not say that. <laughs> oh, my God. It is not. Just FYI, there is no romance in this novel. There's none. It's not. There's, like, a crush. Okay. So, like, <laughs> the way I like a really dry martini where you bring <laughs> the vermouth into the same room with the glass you're making the martini in. And then you immediately throw it out of the room. Yeah. <laughs> That's the same sort of waft of romance you get in this book. <laughs> and it's beautiful. It's perfect. It makes the perfect cocktail, you know? Yes. <laughs> but it is in no way a romance. Nobody told you it was. <laughs> <laughs> so, just FYI, it is not a romance novel. It is an incredible novel. It's a fantasy novel. It's... Yeah. Um, exploration of language and the power of words and just the whole breakdown of the evils both overt and subvert of colonial colonialism and oh my god it's mind-blowing mm -hmm. it's mind-blowing yes sounds like a real treat yeah well truly really it I is know, though but it actually like, it is, is. <laughs> There's it's actually a wonderful book. Like, it's a joy to read. It really actually is. Yeah. I don't know how to explain it. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Because I think Broadwood and I both, we can only handle so much reality in our fiction. Um, and reality yet, upsets the delicate balance, man. <laughs> really just not here for it. But this book somehow manages to, I, I don't know, like, cradle you along through the hard stuff is kind of how I want to put it. Because it is in some ways cozy, even though it's hard. And it's, ugh. I love it and so it's, much. It's hard from the beginning to the end yes. without actually being difficult to read in any no. part. No. This book is a honker. This is a doorstop. But I read <laughs> it really quickly. You read it like a thousand times quicker as is your want. Um, <laughs> yes. <laughs> but there was a reason this was on my top novels of, uh, you know, last year. Plug for Thirsty on Tune episode. But... Um, <laughs> But truly, it was so good. And I'm just so excited that you loved it as much. And I want to force everyone to read it. And honestly, you should study it in schools. It's just, Legitimately, it's this should be on required reading lists. I wish I had studied something this good in school. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What's the uh, what's the page count on this? Oh, God. 
Uh, I, I have no idea. I listened to it I as an audiobook. audiobook. <laughs> yeah. It was like 17-hour audiobook, right? Yeah. <laughs> Something like that. So wow. that's usually like a 1,000 pages probably. Yeah, give or take. Yeah. It's, right it's, I can look. It's I can worth look. every second. <laughs> Holy it doesn't shit. feel like so that. Because I've read a lot of books that length that just feel that length. This one does it. Like, it goes fast. And this one is rereadable. Yes. Like, agreed. I will listen to it again. 100%. All right. What did you think of The Last Bloodline? Because you, you described it very, very, very well. But I don't know that I got your opinion on it. What do you like about it? Oh, I'm all in. It's so much fun. Right. I, I howled. I howled with it. I love the art. It's really beautiful. Um, it's got that quality of movement to it. Uh, it's not like the same style of art, but it's got the same quality of movement as Teenage Mercenary. Mm. Yes, it does. I want Carmela's uh, phone case. <laughs> is, what is, is what is happening in this book for me. <laughs> Uh, I like it too. I uh, for for people that are looking to check it out, it's got kind of a uh, like almost Castlevania Symphony of the Night mm. art style yeah. to There's it. There's an elegance which... to it beyond the normal. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's like it's it's got that anime flavor, but it has a little bit of like Victorian in there too. Like I said, it it very much reminds me of the Castlevania um, stock artwork and stuff like that. Just. Gorgeous, really, really great. it's got really a more great. modern edge to it, which I really like. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And it does some really great stuff with the uh, with the scroll. It's it's very creative in that regard. And for me, I, I love the idea of putting this like very bubbly character who kind of stumbles into moments of pulling one over on everybody. Like the moment they doubt her, she ends up doing something that surprises the whole room mm -hmm. and and she's unpredictable in that way and i i really like that about the character her naivete but also she's like whip smart as yeah. well it's, oh uh, it's, a, it's she, a good mixture for for a character to follow when she catches the like cat i died yes. oh my god i loved that moment so much she's like what a nice scruff on you and catches it right out of the air like <laughs> <laughs> Don't spoil too much. I'm only one episode in, so be careful. No, I'm That's sorry. Fine. I'm trying not to to okay. say too much there. Hopefully, I haven't spoiled anything too no, too bad. No, not for yet. You. Not yet. Neither one. I, I love Mallory. That she can't even get. Well, she is trying to get to a creepy murder house. <laughs> but, you know, four different Uber drivers. Like, nah, don't think so. <laughs> nope. And then the final ride shows up. It's oh, this isn't going to go well. But it sounds as if it does go well. <laughs> It it goes it goes. It goes okay. <laughs> I, I, I have you some... fast passed the last five episodes now. I haven't. I was so tempted, but I know Steve's reading it too, and he'll be so mad ah. at me. Yeah. Won't be. What am I ever mad at you for fast passing? You you read so fast. I don't even care anymore. <laughs> I know, but you get that face. He does. I've seen <laughs> it. Don't lie, Steve. <laughs> Listen, like when I books, when I fast pass, let's play. That's a different you were so story. Mad. That's a different story. That's my book. I wrote it. I draw it. <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm territorial about that one. I can't. Look, I fast pass the hell out of to the stars and back and oh, be God. my villain because and defects because like there's just Wayne family, Wayne family, and Big I Ethel energy. I've even held back from Big Ethel. I'm not gonna lie. I like being surprised. Yes. 
I know. I might. I'm. Uh, we'll see how long that lasts. Let's be fair. I was gonna say because it hasn't been that long since you fast fasted. No. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I can't. I, I I do try to restrain myself. I don't even want to know how much real money I have actually spent on webtoons at this point. <laughs> you know what though? Like it, there are worse things about. to spend your money on than sure. Comics. I just think it's funny that we were taught, we always talk about how accessible and free this is, but then we spend like tons of money on it. I know. (laughs) I have never bought a single coin. Not yet. Not yet. But, you know, comic book budget goes elsewhere. So I was going to say, yeah, okay, mister. Bronwyn's keeping the webtoon fire warm for the both of us. (laughs) Look, I have literally read over 12,000 episodes. If I pay for a hundred of them, I feel like I'm still doing okay. (laughs) That's really an incredible amount of webtoon. I love that your goal is to read more. I'm just so enamored. (laughs) 3.30 3.30 in the morning, she's still up scrolling. It's, like, it's wild. Oh, I know, because I get screenshots, and I'm like, what the hell are you doing up? I say while being awake myself reading webtoons. <laughs> my, my brain doesn't like to sleep. It likes to read. Sleep is hard. It's a re- it's never got the hang of it, really. And now right, well, I have Comixology on my phone. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's it's over off, for you. People. <laughs> uh, you know who else likes to read? Joey likes to read. He also <laughs> likes lightning rounds. <laughs> is that our segue now? <laughs> yeah. I don't people, really like people to, to get through. I don't really know how to read. Um, I, I knew like it. The pictures, though. <laughs> knew it all um, along. Before I jump into the books I read for this week, uh, I was able to, on that 13 hour, 14 hour plane ride, read through some of the stuff from the best of um, episode, especially <gasps> the uh, Catwoman stuff. Mm, uh, Catwoman so Lonely City and the Catwoman run that Teeny Hour is doing, uh, they're amazing. Um, Lonely City in particular, is that Cliff Chang doing that yep. one? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Amazing. I love old, grumpy Selena stories. Like, they <laughs> exactly. are, they're my favorite thing. That's why I liked Batcat a lot, too. Yes. Um, and I also read Poison Ivy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That book rules. That book was, first of all, disgusting like the, <laughs> the the mushroom the fungus stuff the spores. is yeah. grotesque grotesque um but yeah I, I was able to read a lot of the dc stuff which was which was awesome um i started defenders still catching up with that it takes forever for me to just like process those issues but yeah, it is what it is <laughs> um anyway for this week and i'm still working through a lot of the other amazing stuff that that you all recommended um but for this week i was able to read a few things and catch up on a few things uh, new this week was uh, a graphic novel, like a middle middle reader's graphic novel called Captain America, the Ghost Army uh, from Alan Gratz and Brent Schooner, uh, Schoonovers, rather, sorry. Um, so this book is about Cap and Bucky in World War II, taking on the Nazis. Um, <laughs> but then, like, you know, they take out a bunch of Nazis. They stumble upon good old dum-dum Dugan. And uh, they're like, dumb, dumb. That's a funny name. And he's like, it's because of all the dumbbells I lift. Huh? You know, it's it's really <laughs> great. 
Um, and like Jim Rita rolls up and he's got like these like big speakers and he's like, ha we're the ghost army. Cause we just like play the sounds of the army and the Nazis run away. And everyone's like, ha ghost army. And then Baron Moto creates a machine that resurrects the Nazi army into real ghosts. Oops. And then the ghost army has to fight the ghost army and it's crazy. Um, <laughs> yeah. So that's, that's what we're dealing with here. Uh, it's a fun Captain America, Bucky, you know, romp through Eastern Europe as they take on the bad guys. Um, and it is, it is designed for uh, middle readers. Um, the artwork from, from Screenover is great. Uh, it's channeling some kind of Chris Samney, Jamie McKelvey vibes. It's very, very kind of traditional in that, in that sense. Um, and Alan Gratz is like, a, 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 he's a, a one of, you know, what does it say on the book? Like number one, New York times bestseller, you know, like middle readers writer, you know? Um, but it's a, it's a great book. It's a great cap story to give to, you know, someone in that target audience. I think it's very accessible, really entertaining. Um, and all your favorite characters have some really great moments in here. There's a great moment that I love where like, there's this like goofy British soldier who's like, uh, you know, um, oh, I, I, I never get touched by the Nazis and Dum Dum's like, it's because he's always in the back of the line, <laughs> you know? Um, and then the guy gets his like hand cut off by a ghost. Oh. So then Bernardo <laughs> gives him a ghost hand and it has superpowers. And then there's a moment where Bucky's like, man, if I had a magic hand that had superpowers, oh. I'd use it for good. And I'm like, ha get ready. <laughs> um, <laughs> So anyway, it's really fun uh, and worth checking out. Um, I also read Friday, book two. Book two, uh, book one, if you'll recall, came out November 2021 um, from Friday. This is Ed Brubaker and Marcos Martin. Um, This is the book about... Uh, Friday fits you and you know, her best friend, Lancelot Jones, they used to be like detectives, kid detectives. And then in book one, like things go very much awry. And book two is very much about Friday kind of dealing with the fallout from what happened in book one. Um, I don't want to spoil it too much because it's really good. Uh, uh, Friday's a really great book. Um, this one really doubles down on both the kind of detective procedural elements that Brubaker is so good at, obviously, um, but also really ramps up the kind of like, I'm going to say it, cult, culty, hey! <laughs> supernatural, <laughs> uh, culty, supernatural um, horror elements as well. And then, you know, I was reading through, reading through, reading through. The artwork from Marcos Martin is amazing. If you have not seen his work in a little while, like this is really, really, really stunning. Um, and I was reading through and I was like, this is great. I really need to go back and read book one because like I forget some of these things. And I'm reading it and I'm reading it and I'm reading it. And I'm like, this is great. I feel like I'm missing some things. And then I get to like the last five or six pages and you see what like the like the end of the act is like the climax of act two is and you're like are they gonna do it are they gonna do it and then they do it and you're like oh my god this is the craziest book of all time i definitely <laughs> have to go back and read this from the beginning i have to read book one from the beginning because there are clues everywhere and like oh. you need to it's, it's i'm i'm so excited to go back and read it from the very 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 tip top um Friday, I remember came out 
November 2021. So it was like, it didn't show up on a lot of our like best of 2021 list because it was so new. And then obviously it didn't come out this year until December 20th, 2022. So like we kind of missed it on both ends, but I really, really, really hope that book three comes out um, within this year so that at the very least it'll come back up again at the end of the year regardless do go read do go read friday um book two just came out a couple of weeks ago you could definitely find it um it's awesome did you and get that digitally or physically steve listen i, I know that I'm you don't have a store <laughs> <laughs> it is possible that you walked into another comic book shop in new zealand <laughs> You've got that, that pause was all the evidence of triggering you'll ever need it's like it was like joey was singing an internal mantra to calm himself <laughs> I got one job on this show. <laughs> I haven't had a comic shop in five years, and uh, I've had no, a comic I, shop I in it. five years. I, I read it. I read it digital. Now. I read it digital. Seventeen years. <laughs> um, why are you asking? Because if it's like oversized or something, or I'm just figuring. I'm trying to figure out how to get my hands on it because I've seen Volume One at our shop uh, a lot of the time. But um, I would like to. Kennedy. Um, <laughs> I know the release date was twelve twenty. Here, okay. I don't know if it was delayed elsewhere. I'm just saying. I'm trying to look at it digitally right now, and I'm not finding nothing. So hmm. maybe I imagine the whole book. That's You're a hell saying. of a writer, Joey. I'll tell you. That. I know. <laughs> Friday, you should really Friday write that down. <laughs> Friday book two, Image Comics, December twentieth, twenty twenty two. All right. I'll have to uh, do some more research. You sound so skeptical. You're like, okay, if you say so, weirdo. I'm looking <laughs> at it right now. Where did you get that book? I was like, I don't know. It fell off the back of a truck. What do you want? Like, <laughs> um, last thing I wanted to talk about, because it also ended, I want to say last week, um, was Jean Luen Yang's whole Shang-Chi run, um, which I've been reading... I read pretty regularly um, for most of the first two volumes of, um, and then for a very specific reason that I'll get into in a minute, I kind of dropped off, but then last week I caught up on everything that I had missed. So Jin Luen Yang um, started his Shang-Chi run with DK Ruan um, way back in 20, I want to say 2020 with that first mini series. Um, uh, one through five. That was the one that like introduced sister dagger and, uh, or sister hammer and, um, the, the five weapon society and all that stuff. Um, and that was a five issue miniseries. And we were like, wow, this is so great. I hope it continues. And then it did. Cause Shang-Chi got a, cause Shang-Chi, cause Jin Luen Yang got a, uh, another run also called Shang-Chi confusingly. Um, this ran, ran for 12 issues and the first, I want to say eight, seven or eight issues of that were awesome. It was Shang-Chi versus the Marvel Universe. You know, he was like taking on Wolverine and the Fantastic Four and all the uh, and Captain America and Iron Man because he took over um, Zhengju, his father's society, his criminal organization to kind of change it from within. But of course, the Marvel Universe, they were like, no, you're a bad guy now. Um, and it was a really great run that kind of brought Shang-Chi into the forefront of the Marvel Universe, put him uh, against literally some of the biggest heroes. Um, and then the last third of that run issues like eight to 12, nine to 12 
I think Aaron, you and I talked about this when it happened. They really like shoehorned in yep. a lot of the stuff from the movie yep. into the comic. Like they were like, oh, remember all that five weapon society? That was fun. But now we're going to Talo and there's going to be rings and there's going to be this and that. And it's like, wait, when did all of this happen? Like I've been reading Shang-Chi for a while and I I, I know that all of this is made up. Like, like this is this is clearly from the movie. Um, and actually, I did feel at the end of that volume, like a lot of the momentum and kind of cool, new, interesting ideas that that Yang was playing with kind of disappeared and i was like really bummed out by that so much so that i i didn't i didn't continue on when he launched shang chi and the 10 rings um about halfway through last year so that's what i caught up on last week i read shang chi and the 10 rings numbers one through six um and that one was basically about shang chi and the 10 rings uh <laughs> which have these powers and he's like trying to figure out they're like corrupting and he's like oh no what am i going to do with these rings oh gosh um the one thing I will say that was cool about that volume, having read it now, is that Yang brought back a lot of that old, like, Master of Kung Fu cast. A lot of, like, the Ooh. MI6 folks rolled in um, because they were, like, because they also wanted the Ten Rings. Everybody wanted the Ten Rings. It became, like, a chase. Like, everyone wants the Ten Rings. Oh, no. Um, and then it became this weird, like, Mortal Kombat, like, tournament thing um for the 10 rings and i was like this book is kind of flying off the rails here um and then the last issue just dropped last week shang chi master of the 10 rings was a one shot uh where shang chi teams up with none other than a timed or rather shang chi gets time displaced and has to team up with an older version of his villainous father before he became a villain oh no um and see how things go with that uh Look, I like I said, I think Yang's overall story, which runs about 17, 20, 24 issues, which is going to make a great omnibus one day. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a great kind of reinvention and reintroduction of the character into the Marvel Universe, um, really kind of ups his power level a little bit and, and you know capitalizes on the continuity while also introducing a lot of new features. I also do think the book's first half is much stronger than the second half, uh, just in terms of the clarity of the narrative, the, the characterization. Um, DK Ruan and Marcus Toe are great artists. Um, the one thing that I wish the book it's hard because like, I wish the book did it, but I also understand why we didn't do it because it does play into stereotypes and tropes is I felt that actually kind of like the weakest part of the Shang-Chi book is the kind of representations of action in the book. Um, the martial arts and the, and the Kung Fu and all that stuff, which I, I understand why, you know, Jima and Yang is trying to create a narrative around a character that isn't grounded exclusively in like, wow, he can do Kung Fu, which I totally get. Um, but I do wish that the action was a little bit clearer and just a little bit more of the narrative, especially when it's like, we're going to do this tournament thing. And it's like, okay, that seems like it would be important, but it, it really ended up not being, um, 
But I love the character. I think the book is a great introduction to the character for folks that aren't familiar with him. And I think it's a great now volume, an extended volume of the book, 24 issues, that uh, people that love the character from the movie are going to be able to come in and read, um, as opposed to going back and reading the more problematic um, uh, stuff from the 70s. Um, which is crazy to think that like Shang-Chi hasn't really had much since then in terms of anything this long uh there's been a couple of mini series and one shots here and there but like 24 issues of a single artist and single or rather single um author i think is a really great um volume for a character that i think is gonna have a much bigger footprint moving forward that's where i'm at hot Ooh. damn sweet <laughs> nicely done man uh off the top of your head do you like know what else you're gonna hit up from the Best of shows that you plan on reading? Uh, off the top of my head, no. Um, I uh, th- okay, I know what. Sticking with the Gotham stuff, I am desperately behind on anything Batman, uh, particularly Ooh. the the One Bad Day stuff. Uh, that's that's on my list. Oh, yeah, absolutely, absolutely on my list. Um, you know, if you want to come on Go when you're catching up on that stuff, just let me know. Well, you know, just saying. I am the talent. You are the talent. We have a trailer <laughs> wow. for the guests as well. So, um, yeah, absolutely. That sounds awesome. Yeah. Uh, the Batman stuff for sure. There was something. Oh, Heartstopper. That was the big one. I couldn't. Uh, I couldn't get it onto my iPad in any capacity because it's all because I didn't have Wi-Fi or anything in Australia. So it's just whatever I could download, and I just I couldn't figure it out in time. Um, Heartstopper is the big thing for me to catch up on as well, uh, just because it's in the zeitgeist. So Batman and Heartstopper, I think, are the big two. I meant to ask you, did you see any uh, critters of abnormal size or normal size for no, Australia? No, I did not. You know, we were... We were in Sydney and like the city. For most of the time, like, yeah. Yeah, like I said, when we did feed the kangaroos and stuff, it was at like a, it was like at a nature preserve. So like, it, I wasn't like out in the wilderness with like the giant spiders and stuff. And I learned a fun fact that like when New Zealand broke off of Australia like billions of years ago or whatever, like the only thing that went with it were birds. Mm-hmm. Like all the weird, crazy animals that like stand on two legs and punch you, like those things <laughs> stayed in Australia, and New Zealand's just like all birds. So like that's why they have like so many weird bird things, but like nothing that's like creepy, crawly, murdery, you know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's like out in the that's like out in the out in the outback, you know, in the bush. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, and obviously the other thing is. Uh, What's that book called with the Avengers and the X-Men and the Eternals? What's it called? Something. I, can't, I, I want to say Axe. I, yeah, I uh, yeah, that's right. Axe. It's like a little book from last year. I didn't get a chance to read. I don't remember. <laughs> Judgment Day? Yeah, ah, that's it. That's it. There you go. <laughs> All right. Um, if no one has any other comments or observations for Joey, I believe we're going to move on to Mr. Aaron Amos. <laughs> All right, so a little bit of context. I have been out of my normal routine for the last several weeks to include the time off from the show. So I didn't really get into the whole week-to-week reading routine like I normally did. So I really just sort of dug in when I had time um, and wanted to sort of relax and pick up some things here and there. And I read a lot, but I'm really only going to talk about a few things that sort of popped to mind. One is, and it's a little bit out of order, 
than what's on, on the outline. But one is I finally caught up with Saga because it had just been piling up um, in my comicsology library and I just never gotten around to reading them. But I decided to sit down and run through them all. And obviously, I think everyone on the show has talked about Saga ad nauseum. So I'm not going to go into a, a <laughs> recounting of it, but really more so just a hot take of what I took away from it. Similar to when I sort of binge read the first nine volumes or something, however many that was when we were doing uh, last year. Um, and similar, similar experience I had with it. Um, it is just on a different level. Um, in terms of eliciting the emotions um, from a reader, um, telling a story, telling a story that is not grounded in a lot of tropes. Um, and, and because of that, keeping you off balance and not knowing what to expect um, from time to time, it reads the it reads like a Meryl Streep movie in the sense wow. that you are constantly going to be um, in your emotions sort of in your not not knowing what to expect it just feels like it's at a different caliber um and and it's something that's difficult to follow up with something else so i when i read it i just re realized you know i read 56 i read 57 then i was like oh maybe i'll jump into some something else and sort of come back to it and when i did that I, I wasn't able to sort of shift my gears um because it is and it continues to be on a different level and you're always sort of waiting for that emotional punch whether that emotion be anger or sadness or just grief or whatever is the case. So really continue to enjoy that. And from uh, Brian K. Vaughn and Fiona Siba. So all caught up now and ready for 61 to come out. Um, really a good, uh, several good plot lines about, you know, the resiliency of loved ones, whether that be parents, spouses, children, et cetera, et cetera. Um, having to learn from loss and grief. So I, I you know, it's an interesting. And again, what's with the S&M thing going on there in that one, in one of the issues, man? Uh, <laughs> yikes, like, choke me harder, what? Anyway, um, so- oh, Okay, I got a read saga, got it. <laughs> next, next thing I read uh, was, well, I completed the Bloody Syndicate season one, also uh, something that was uh, piling up in my inbox uh, to read on, on comicsology, um, Jeffrey Thorne, Chris Cross, just to give a little bit of background, we have a character Holocaust who was introduced in, I think some of the static books, um, who is another quote unquote bang baby, uh, who acquires some powers, who really is trying to take over Dakota city. Um, he's trying to do that by essentially moving all the obstacles, uh, going to basically all the rival gangs and saying, listen, you either work for me or I literally will burn you to a crisp. And that's literally what he would do. Um, and you have the scenario where there are other bang babies, but other people who, well, actually it's interesting. It comes a little bit later. Other bang babies from a different source um, who are all sort of falling into each other's orbit, um, having been old friends, uh, some who moved away and came back, um, rediscovering each other and, redis and rediscovering each other in, the, in a new light because they now have powers where they didn't realize they had powers, where, where they didn't have powers before and they didn't realize they each had powers, um, finding themselves with opinions about the way Holocaust is taking over the city and opinions about how to address it. Um, and it really is just a matter of getting that one person to be the catalyst for organization. So that wrapped itself up. Season one wrapped itself up. Um, it was interesting because it did ask a lot of questions. If we created this, this Dakota verse and there's all these other heroes there, how come the heroes aren't coming 
to take this guy down. Well, they sort of addressed that in one of the issues where Icon and Rocket were essentially neutralized um, uh, and allowed Holocaust to uh, continue on his little rampage, which is what created the space for this new team of, of bang babies at Heroes to come in and, and sort of uh, deal with him one way or the other. Um, I will say it, I feel like it probably could have. There's a couple things. I have a couple hot takes on that. It could have benefited from a couple more issues because there was so much storytelling being being packed into each issue um, from the perspective of Holocaust, as well as the individuals that would eventually make up the Blood Syndicate. That I don't think they all got enough time to breathe, um, and I don't think we got enough time to remember who they all were, uh, and even what their powers were in some cases to be able to understand what was happening. So I felt like they may have been shortchanged a little bit. They maybe maybe it would have been of value to sort of stretch this into a few more issues. So you give each one of them that weight, or even maybe do an issue per per new person. You know, so you can understand who they are before they all come together and tell that ultimate sort of conclusion, that battle story. Um, the art was good. It was not as great as in Static, um, but I loved the coloring. The coloring gave you an entirely different vibe, an entirely more sullen um, view of the city. And obviously that was supposed to provide you with um, the visual of, okay, this is not the bright and sunny Dakota city that Icon and Rocket and, and, and Static you know, get to exist in, but this is the other side, the, the, the not middle-class side, the people who are literally fighting for their lives in the streets because of all the things that we don't talk about um, you know, in the real world. Um, so I'm curious to see where it's going to go um, because it does have sort of a definitive ending um, to the challenge of the first season, but I'm curious to see where it's going to go um, and whether or not they're going to give themselves more time and space to tell the full story. Next thing I read was from Boom Studios, Mosley number one, Rob Guillory, Sam Lofty, uh, Jean-Francis Jean Bellew, um, follows the character Marvin Mosley, who exists. As we open the story, we see him saying goodbye to his family because he's going to make a sacrifice to do support a project uh, that is intended to create, you know, to benefit the world. Uh, we find out that that project is essentially uh, linking up with and artificial intelligence at the basic level, um, when I say at the basic level, the artificial intelligence is at the basic level, in order to allow it to learn and to grow and become more useful. And the best way to do that, they believe, is through constant interactions with humans, individuals who tell them stories. Those stories are supposed to sort of build out, similar to the way they always talked about data on Star Trek Next Generation. The more he's around humans, the more his neural patterns will evolve, et cetera, et cetera. He'll become more, he'll become the boy instead of Pinocchio, et cetera, et cetera. So that's kind of the vibe here. Um, and you skip ahead 30 years and find out that things didn't go exactly as planned. And, you know, the in that, that space uh, between, you know, trying to evolve these uh, artificial intelligence uh, creatures um, so that he could have value and solve some of the world's problems. And, and eventually they did with hunger and, and climate control and all that stuff. Um, or climate change and all that stuff. They eventually conquer those things, but that wasn't enough for the intelligence. And they didn't give, quite give you this idea that they didn't give you the visuals that they sort of did a uh, an Ultron takeover type scenario. But you could see that there were some things that were sacrificed. The humans had to sacrifice in order to live in that world. And Mr. Moses is not Mr. Mosley is not that happy about it. Um, all things come to a head. He finds himself in a not so great situation with some of that artificial intelligence and it 
the experience changes him um, in a metaphysical way. Um, and you're, you're left with quite a bit of a cliffhanger to figure out how he's going to, what, what that means in terms of the position between him and the artificial intelligence and his child, his child is part of that whole sort of roundup of, of scientists and people trying to grow the AI so that they can eventually become a bit, like bona fide sentient. Um, there's, there's some, some political, some geopolitical aspects of that. Um, that they talk about a little bit. And I think they're going to continue to talk about that, but there is that superhero vibe here because the change in the end is very Marvel Thor-like. Um, and I'm not sure what to expect from that. Um, it was a shift. It was a sharp turn as I was reading it because I wasn't expecting that. I was expecting this to be more of a um, Terminator Blade Runner type scenario. Um, and it does give you a little bit of that vibe, but you know, it's it's it took a little bit of a turn of, okay, this guy is the one that's going to be chosen to do something incredible. Not sure what that is yet, but I'll check it out. I got it in the review folder. Last thing I want to talk about, um, and then I'm going to ask Joey a question. Um, last thing I want to talk about was Heartstopper Season 1. I finally, finally watched it. Um, Yay! Um, I, oh, wow, that was... Wow, you're right, Steve. She is loud. Um, Sorry. <laughs> so I got that, really that, excited. That caught me off guard. No, it's great. Uh, it caught me off guard. I was like, ooh, I didn't see that coming. Um, uh, so I, You really should have, though. Down, um, I, I sat down and watched Heartstopper Season 1. Um, and I wasn't resisting watching it. It was just, you know, it's been a long year. I didn't have a lot of free time, copious free time. Um, but I've taken a little bit of time off and was able to sort of go back through a variety of things. Um, and I watched that, and I think I put in the chat that this was that show was just triggering in the best ways. Um, as someone who, you know, grew up, you know, a little gay kid uh, in Buffalo, New York, in the, you know, uh, sort of coming into his own, just as a little gay cancer was making itself aware, aware, you know, so you know, living in this space of anxiety um, and realizing who you are, seeing this story being told. Uh, of people who are sort of benefiting from the mistakes and the triumphs and the, the successes that my generation and the generation before me made. And I'm, I'm saying my generation and the generation before me because it, there was a pivotal moment. There were a couple of pivotal moments in the sort of LGBTQ um, sort of evolution in society. And, and one of the, obviously Stonewall is one of them. The other one, some of the other ones is the age crisis and sort of how we sort of dealt with that. So when I see the benefits um of how of that struggle on younger generations and seeing the openness um in, in the story and just the genuine sort of i don't know the chemistry between the two of them and from an emotional perspective i'm not even talking about a sexual anything it's not even a really a sexual thing but i'm talking about from a an emotionally engaging perspective they really play off each other really well seeing the story of someone who is a little bit more confident in their gayness but not necessarily confident as a human being coupled with someone who is more confident maybe in that sort of existence, but not so much in their queerness, um, sort of come together, sort of like chocolate, peanut butter, peanut butter, chocolate, et cetera, et cetera. Let's make this work. Um, that storytelling was just really, really emotional for me. And I did find myself a couple of times going full on Pacino. I said it. It is a verb now. <laughs> full, full on Pacino. Um, I think at least once every episode. Uh, yeah. Because it was just so great, so sweet, so entertaining and i i really i want to watch the whole thing from beginning to end again and mm -hmm. I, I probably will um just very much looking forward to the next season of it and then there's a question i wanted to ask joey did you wait did you finish reading breakout no i have to read breakout four i read it 
<laughs> oh wow, you did it! You did it. <laughs> Okay, I will wait then. I will wait. I'll, I'll read, read it, it for next week. I'll read it for next week. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness, man. We must be the only two people in the I, whole world yes. that read Breakout. <laughs> yes, we really are. And I need your thoughts on that because I was reading this like, are you kidding me right now? Oh, like, God. Seriously. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. book that book jumped the shark when she <laughs> did a cheerleader backflip up forty feet into the spaceship. Yes. <laughs> with, wait, with fully exposed vag, like her yeah. her legs are spread <laughs> wide open. Yeah, yeah, her her legs are spread. I'm like, who is drawing yeah. this? And, and how yeah. could they sleep at night as they're drawing these panel? Like, yeah. legs wide open, <laughs> wide open, so that she can throw to the other sixteen year old an illegal element. Made in the sun that can forge its way through the impenetrable metal. That, that that's it's when the book so, jumped the shark in issue like, two. This, this is just, that's what okay. I like you guys are reaching for this one. You're asking us to to suspend a lot of belief, and the, uh, we're comic readers, but even that's a lot for this. But I'll, we'll we'll have that conversation. Uh, I'm sorry, but in the in the talking about things that everybody's read. But you guys, I completely forgot to bring up one of the things that I read in my attempt to go through everybody's list, which I have not made it through everybody's list yet, but I am I am going through them. But I definitely read Do a Powerbomb. Ah! Hell yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. So I am on board with Do a Powerbomb. <laughs> there were some big reactions throughout the reading of that book. Yeah. I'm trying yeah. to get Carolyn to read it. She yeah. She doesn't like violence, but I'm like, Carolyn, you gotta, you gotta read this. So I'm peer pressuring you now, Carolyn, because I know you're listening while you're in your car right now. <laughs> Carolyn, <laughs> it's worth it. I promise. Honestly, well, if we it can, is. If I'm we not a wrestling just... fan, like, at all, but the story is cool. <laughs> well, that's the thing is that, you know, when you were reading it, you were saying, um, I mean, you could probably put this in a much better context than I can because you're the one that said it. But <laughs> you were saying how you're not into wrestling, but that the wrestling was used to convey emotion throughout yeah. the story. Yeah, it was really interesting as a like a metaphor for um, life and the experience of life and death and just I I thought it was fascinating actually. I didn't anticipate that when I went into it. Like I knew everybody was losing their minds for this book, so I knew it had to be good. Like there was I I knew that, but I was still like I really I really can't wrap my head around I've just never been into wrestling. I I'm not here to yuck anybody's yum. I know people love it and that's fantastic and that's awesome. I like things that other people don't like, but it's just never been my thing. It's just not something I'm into. And I you got, I got, the I, rock was I did, I did. It was so good. <laughs> <laughs> it was just such an interesting use of, of the, like, I don't want to say a physical metaphor because it's not like, it's still written. It's still two-dimensional i guess but it it the movement is so interesting and the art the art's not typically my style of art at all but it really worked for the way the story moves i thought it was kind of beautiful for that and i don't know just yeah it was really I, it really worked it was a very weird story but the way it all came together it was so awesome his stuff has like a almost like a hair metal quality to <laughs> yeah. it yeah, you know it's it's a it's like a like a hair metal album cover come to life <laughs> spilled onto the page. It's it's gritty, but in a 
weirdly beautiful way. Yes. Hmm. Agreed. <laughs> um, I almost picked up Mosley. I, I might do it now after hearing you talk about it, but what I definitely want to read is Blood Syndicate season one. Um, I saw that those were all on the uh, the DC Infinite app the other day. My question for you, Aaron, is this. Sure. Uh-huh. Does Blood Syndicate become any more reader friendly the more you go on like does it stand think, on its own i think here's what i would recommend for everyone who reads it just give your give up on trying to see if you can draw the the parallels between the first the original and this because i think that might create some hurdles and some stumbling blocks um there is a lot to to sort of keep track of i think i got a very similar vibe to when we were talking about the uh, the not the most recent Legion of Superheroes versus uh, Justice League, but the uh, the previous one, the Bendis Legion of Superheroes, mm-hmm. um, because there were just so many characters and so many things going on. Um, you have to really pay attention and you have to focus. It, it when you begin to sort of dig into that, yes, it will become a little bit easier to sort of to to sort of see what's going on. But you really do have to. After the first couple of issues, you have to really get centered on who's who. And then once that's once that's done, the story really does become, when you pare it down, about this bang by bang baby with a really active and powerful power who had an experience that shaped him as essentially a sociopath, if you want to look at it from that perspective, because he believes that he's right. And his object his his way of taking what he believes is his destiny is to eliminate all hurdles in front of him and just take control of everything. He feels like as a person of color, the law has never been and the government has never been and leadership has never been on their side or in their best interest. So the only way to ensure that is the case is to create your own best interest, create your own best environment. Hmm. Um, And that's kind of what he does. Now it's twisted you know, in the way he does it, but they do give you some backstory in one of the issues where you understand what made him or what contributed to the way he is. Um, and when you put all those little pieces into the back of your mind, it does make the story easier to, to sort of track. So I would say look at it from that perspective that that's where it's going. Um, that it's not just random violence and introduction of people, but there's a, a through line and it does make it easier to track. Okay, you got me. I'm, I'm going to go and check that out because I, I enjoyed the first issue a lot. I just, I felt like I wasn't a part of the club and I wanted, I, I was intimidated to keep pressing on with it, with like the name drops and the callbacks and everything. I just, I felt they, very lost, but I kind of dug the world. Yeah, they try to dig, they try to, they try, yeah, they, they try to fit a lot in there and that's what i was talking about when i say they probably could have benefited from spreading it out and taking a breath you know here and there just adding a few more uh layer, or right. maybe not add so many of the so many characters in this volume maybe you know bring in some mm-hmm. of the main ones and then let the other ones sort of fall because there are characters that were added in the end that really didn't even get i wouldn't even say fleshed out but barely got introduced um that you know are going to be there and that they're part of the you know original run but there wasn't enough there wasn't enough there for you to yeah. remember or care about them in this volume so i'm sure that's going to be the they were almost like a cliffhangers for the next volume right 
Uh, I don't know if you listened to last week's episode, but uh, I read through New Masters numbers one through six uh, over the break. Ooh. I think it was great. Listen. What did you think? It was good. No, it was really, really good. Um, I felt like it took about two issues to present like all the family members and how mm-hmm. they're connected to some of the, like the political machinations happening. Um, but at its core, I really like some of the themes in the story. Um, I particularly liked the angle of them being like kind of hoodwinked by the energy that people almost like snake oil salesmen of people that mm-hmm. come into town saying they're going to change your way of life. And, you know, trust me, trust me, this thing works like a beauty and blah, blah, blah. And it's not a lemon at all. And then it explodes. Like, <laughs> yeah. Like catastrophic <laughs> failure. A couple of pages later, everything's on fire. We're losing people. We're losing history. Um, the amount of like back matter in each of those issues and detailing um, like the different factions and the different cities yeah. and the way that the government functions, um, who's vying for power and how it benefits them and stuff like that. I really, really loved all of that stuff. And I particularly loved the dialect and, and I was just um, going to say the, that was a, the language. Like well, you are, call out boxes. Yeah. The call yeah. out boxes of this is for slang for this, or this is, you know, part of that dialect. I really enjoyed that. Yeah, mm-hmm. it really it, it felt it felt like you were getting like a little bit of an education as you were reading it. It was really welcoming somebody who's who's new to this stuff into that world. Um and it's one of those things that honestly like just it got better as I kept reading and the finale was positively nuts that I'm I'm really excited for whatever they do next cuz it sounds like they have a couple of ideas for different story arcs. That's what I suspect. Uh, I believe that is the case. I was excited about it as well. I, I was, you know, it's always a risk when you when you jump into something that is so new and so foreign and so you know, um, uh, you know, I, I would say unfamiliar because you're not familiar with what the the creators are, are capable of, and so you commit the time and the money to it, and you know, when it doesn't work out, you're like, eh, crap. I don't know if I want to do yeah. this again. But then you sort of have to keep keep trying until you find the one. You know, you find the ones that you like, Heartstopper, for example, just like I was saying, do you find the mm-hmm. the ones? And I think this was one of the ones that it kept me engaged. I mean, I read the whole thing through, um, you know, but then again, I'm the guy that read Breakout. So, hey, what am I saying? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it took, it took me a couple of nights to to get through it just because there was so much to absorb. Um, but like artfully, I really, really dug it when I opened it up. I didn't really know what it looked like yeah. beyond the covers. And when I opened it up, I was very pleasantly surprised. And it did that magic thing that can automatically like have Steve come over to your to your art side where okay. whenever the bike took off, there were streaks of light across the page. I love that kind of shit. I, I, I thought that was really, really cool. It had like almost like a... Blade Runnery uh, look to it at times. Some of the technology that's featured throughout the story, very, very, very cool stuff. I'm glad that you uh, championed that and pushed for that because it got me to read it, and I really enjoyed it a lot. Of course, of course. So, who in Heartstopper do you relate the most to? Ooh, that's a hard one. Because um... Brownwood and I had this discussion, and she is definitely Nick, and I'm definitely Charlie. So where are you landing? So Nick, it's ridiculous. Oh, it's okay. ridiculous. So just, go, just between the two of them. No, it can be anyone. It can be anyone. You know, I was. It's a little bit of 
Charlie and a little bit of Tao. I was going to say yes. Tao. Tao yes. is who I thought for you. Absolutely. I, I love Tao. love Tao. <laughs> a little bit of Charlie, a little bit of Tao. Although there was a couple of times I'm like, Tao. <laughs> no, yeah. You, yeah, you yeah. need to get a backhand. You need to get a backhand. I need you to know. have several seats. Being yeah, a teenager yeah. is hard, okay? It, looked, it hard. didn't look good on any of us, let's be no. honest. God. Exactly. Well, that's why that's why I chose them because, like, yeah, been there, done that. It's right. not a good look. Would any of us have been friends as teenagers? Probably not. <laughs> I wouldn't be friends with me as a teenager. <laughs> oh, same. Oh, I, oh, teenage me would have been scared of current Chris. <laughs> <laughs> I, just, uh, I probably will go back and watch that whole damn thing again. If I'm being oh, oh, did again and again. I think and I'm again. in the mood to watch it again now too. Yes, let's do it. Oh, let's do it. Well, we're just about to finish the recruit. We could double back and go watch Heartstopper before we move <sighs> on to something job. else. <laughs> All right. Move, speaking of moving on, let's move on to oh, another lightning question. round. All oh, right. Oh, I was going to throw it to you, but go ahead, Bob. Uh, I'm intrigued by Mosley, but you're talking about sticking with things. Is that shift that happens something that issues down the road will enhance what goes on or will it just make you so aggravated you'll drop off? No, I think it will enhance. I think it will enhance because it, it creates – the first issue creates the the setting in the sense that it, it lets you know – it lets you know what his objectives were. Mosley's objectives were okay. he he made a sacrifice and there's clearly some things that were unresolved there because you get to see his daughter but you don't get to see his wife um you you clearly something happened in that 30 years where he's pseudo famous but he's working as a janitor now um he's got his very strong opinions about the artificial intelligence and where it is whereas he was when you start off the book he's sort of championing it and saying it's the, the best thing but then something happens and there's a key phrase when this thing has happened you hear a there's a voice that says something. I don't want to spoil it. Um, and that's when you realize, oh, okay, this is going to explode into something bigger than this just being a, a, a guy who felt like he was duped, you know, or, or has gripes. But this is a little bit something a little bit more global than, than we were led to believe. And so it's going to change the direction of it. So I think this was just sort of like the, the origin story of someone who will become that's, that's, critical it's the moment. to yeah. the whole thing. Yeah. It's that moment. Yeah. Cool. I'm in. Yeah, I got All it right. in the review folder. I saw it uh, advertised. I saw it in the solicits. And I was like, oh, I wonder if we have it. And then Joey put out his message like, hey, I'm updating the folder. So I'm like, well, there you have it. There it is. Okay. <laughs> it's right there. Joey, have you checked out the series Behold Behemoth yet? No, it's also in my iPad. Um, that's a that's Boom, right? Yeah. I think. Yeah. I think you would dig that. You would like that one a lot. Yeah, that was at the tail end of the year when I was like reading a bunch of other things to catch up, and I was like, ah. Yeah, totally. There's only uh, there's only two issues out so far. Yeah. All right, let's uh, let's move it on over to Bob's neck of the woods. Okay. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Some residual there. Yeah, hey, look, it's got to happen. <laughs> Uh, Fantastic Four number three by Ryan North, Ivan Coelho, Jesus Arbutov, and Joe Carmagna. It continues on the getting to re-know you path, this time focusing on Johnny Storm. Now, he stayed behind in New York after the event, even taking a job in retail under his secret identity as Jonathan Fairweather. Look, it's Johnny. He didn't expect something clever, right? I mean, please. <laughs> um, all that said, this is another fun, smaller story. 
But just as in the first two, there's an attention to detail, plenty of nuance. And next issue, well, next issue, we're going to find out what drove the Fantastic Four apart. Can't wait. Been loads of fun so far. Poison Ivy number eight by G. Willow Wilson. Edigan Ion, Arif Prianto, Ivan Placencia, and Hassan Atsmani Elahu. Well, it proved that it's always good to have a friend in the HR department. Ivy is in a bit of a bind as evil genius Dr. Beatrice Crawley has negated her powers, leaving her at the mercy of those dastardly Lamia spores we were talking about before. And they do still infect her, no matter how good she looks. What the good doctor hasn't counted on, though, is HR worker Janet coming upon the trapped heroine. As always, this series excels at being layered with every action tinged with deeper meaning and lots of consequences. My favorite book of the year, definitely speaking. Mm. Uh, Secret Invasion 3, Ryan North, Francesco Mobili, Jordi Belair, and Joe Carmagna was surprising, to say the least. Picks up from the cliffhanger from last issue as, well, Tony Stark puts it, a dramatic reveal, and that gives a seismic shift to all that's been going on, and which leads into another shocking final page here. I'm enjoying this way more than I thought possible, so big kudos to the creative team. And, look, I'm sure it's going to be a great read as a, as a collection, but just as with, with Saga, just as with Paper Girls, that every issue ends with this ta-da moment, it's fun. To, it is a lot of fun to read it month to month. I don't want to spend your money for you, but you probably should read it month to month. Anyway, new number one this week, Scarlet Witch number one, Steve Orlando, Sarah Pacelli, Elisabetta D'Amico, Matthew Wilson, and Corey Pettit. It brought Wanda Maximoff to a new mission. She, along with Darcy Lewis, gotta love some Darcy, they've opened the Emporium, a shop offering teas, talisman, custom spells, herbal remedies, readings, and more. Well, that more includes unusual requests, which in this issue, well, it walks through the last door, according to Wanda. It finds those at their lowest, those with nowhere to turn, and brings them here. In this case, it's a woman named Janet Chase, whose Italian village has been taken in thrall by the Corrupter. I mean, if you walk around calling yourself the Corrupter, I think you, you've got you've got problems, but that maybe that's just me. I'll, I'll just <laughs> there. Love the setup here, which in some ways is both a flip and an analog to what James Robinson did a couple of years ago with his Wanda self-discovery tour. I can imagine just all of us are going to learn a lot about the Scarlet Witch through Though She Helps and the art. Well, it's Sarah Pacelli, so it's gorgeous. And paired with inking assistant Elisabetta D'Amico, colorist Matthew Wilson, it's extra special. And while I'm at it, I don't want to forget Russell Dowderman has, has designed a new costume for the Scarlet Witch, and it's fabulous. Utilizes elements from the past as well as being well fashioned forward, too. And it headlines the A cover. If you're looking for the A cover, there's a lot of covers on this one. I think you want the Russell Dowderman cover. And that's it. I is done, as they used to say. <laughs> <laughs> Joey, Never do you want to jump hold. in here or should I? On Scarlet Witch? Anything. Take your pick. Uh, I, I can talk about Scarlet Witch really quickly. So, as you know, Scarlet Witch, as an X fan myself, 
<laughs> persona non grata yes. around here. Um, and I got to say, I, I actually really like this book. You know, Steve Orlando's really, um, we've been, we've been, we've been vibing on Steve Orlando for a while now Absolutely. on the podcast. My personal um, friend, Steve Orlando. Some of us <laughs> in more ways than one. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> here's what I'll say about this book though. Um, I really enjoyed it. I thought some of the, some of the voices and dialogue felt a little odd to me. I don't know. It's just something about, it felt like everybody had like, it felt like everybody was speaking in a dialect. I couldn't understand for, for a little bit. Maybe I was just in like down under for too long and I just didn't understand the language anymore. But uh, I, I, I don't know. It's just something was off about it. But, but with that said, um, that final page i was like oh, i don't know if i'll keep reading this and then like the final page happens and i'm like god damn it i'm gonna be reading this book forever like pull me back in pull me right back in it was it was it was great um the character's great as we've been talking about it, ups and downs with the scarlet witch obviously the new costume is fantastic it is absolutely stunning sarah Pacelli's artwork is better than it's ever been really in this book. And I'm really eager, if anything, just to see more of this book and what it looks like, you know, um, I, I'm, my thing with Wanda has always been since house of M is how do you handle house of M? Uh, and how do you handle what she did? The genocide, the genocide. Yes. Uh, and I and and there's a couple of beats in this book where I feel like that part of the story is in the uh, weird way to say it, but like good hands. I feel like it's not going to be something that's kind of just like brushed aside. Um, with that said, sometimes her kind of like flippancy mm. with as a character is sometimes a little like, but I know what you did. Uh, so, you know, <laughs> there's just, it's, it's a, it's a tricky balancing act for me with Wanda. Yeah. But like I said, with the cliffhanger to this issue, I'm like, all right, let's do it. I'm ready to go. Like you got me, you got me with that. You got me with that character. You got me with everything that that character connects to. Let's go. So look, we'll if see. you judge every character that's done a genocide, you're going to get a low list of superheroes that you can enjoy. Honest to God, right? <laughs> honestly, honestly, it's the same thing. And this is like not to go off on another tangent. It's honestly at times the same thing with, with Gene. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. There yeah. are times yeah. when I'm reading Dream Gray in like X-Men Red and like like the main X-Men book and stuff like that, where I'm like, but wait a minute. Like I but like I <laughs> I remember that. Like, people. Yeah. yeah. So like so like but <laughs> one of my favorite Batman characters put a bunch of villains' heads in a bag. Look, we just let things go, okay? Yeah, yeah. No, I get that. I get that. But like it's just it's just there there are just times when I'm reading a book starring the character where I'm like, I'm digging this, I'm digging this. And then like I'll read a, a line or I'll read a panel and I'm like, that's a weird thing to say, considering like you depowered millions of mutants. <laughs> You know, and like people died. So like, yeah. there's like, like, but that doesn't necessarily take me away from what I think is a really great start to what I think is going to be a nice story for this character mm. who, like I said, has had a lot of ups and downs over the last few years. And um, I have a feeling that under this pen with this artist in particular, I think this is going to be a really great series for her. Mm. Yeah, I I agree with you 100% with the Wanda thing. Uh, I go back to what Bob was saying about the um, Robinson run. Um, I I really like that because that 
atonement was a part of the fabric of that run. Um, and so it was never the flippancy that you mentioned, it was never really there because it was always like she, she recognized and realized what she had done and she was trying to figure out the prices that she was paying for it. And, and it does become difficult to sort of manage Wanda from that perspective. So yeah, whenever she is, you know, a little, it almost does feel like whenever there is a moment of like happiness for her, there's a part of your brain that's just like, but you don't deserve to be happy. <laughs> just yet you know not yet you know don't laugh yeah. don't smile keep a straight face it's only 25 years you, you... <laughs> yeah, exactly it's like you got some things look you know, we I'll support women's rights but we support women's wrongs too i'm just <laughs> it's a thing it's a thing we Listen, do she, she shows up on Krakoa. she's going in the pit she's going wow. in the pit the pretender um so yeah it, it becomes very difficult i i see i always I have to keep reminding myself when it comes to strong characters like that, when I say strong characters, I mean characters that would elicit a strong reaction that when a new writer picks them up, you have to just sort of be patient with them and realize that they're not going to be able to answer every question in issue one or address everything in issue one. And they may never get to them, but I, I do want as a character where you're forced to, to address that because you're never going to, it's, it's going to be ever present in everyone's, mind as they're reading her like how dare you giggle i will say i found i feel like i've missed a page somewhere in that relationship with her and Pietro. i mean i know they've all been close but there was it seemed like there was some subtext there in that conversation between her and pietro or just that relationship between her and pietro that is both sweet and disturbing at times <laughs> my so, favorite yeah. kind a little sassy, <laughs> little sassy. Oh, I like it's, sweet, yeah, disturbing, and sassy. It is yeah, my favorite kind. Yeah, I think their relationship, that that obvious and clear love there, the fact that he keeps showing up, you know. Um, but also, you know, they have often fought on opposite sides. And, you know, I, I would venture to say you've probably tried to kill each other a time or two. But, <laughs> I have yeah. siblings. I get it. So, you know, it is what it is. <laughs> Thanks, Bronwyn. <laughs> <laughs> Always. <laughs> I also read Fantastic Four. And Go then, ahead. And <laughs> <laughs> no, I um, I'm trying to think. One thing about the Johnny story that I didn't love was him calling him basically calling himself an idiot because there was a part of the previous run where it you know, did point out, you know, that he and Reed used to work very closely together. Um, and but he also he slept actually, with Victor Von Doom's intended. So well, let's remember. I thought that Listen. sentence was going to end with Victor Von Doom and I got very excited. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I, I should say he's an emotional idiot. Okay. Um, but intellectually, I think he's, I thought we had established that you know, so so much of the dumb blonde routine was just a routine, just a thing. Um, and I kind of appreciated that. So I kind of hope they don't go back to him just being the dumb blonde um, re in reality um, and that he is smarter than, you know, than meets the eye. Um, but having said that, I do appreciate about this entire run that we are establishing each get you, you're each, was it one, three now? Three, yeah. It is breaking away from it's giving you an opportunity to breathe and, and separate itself from slot 
Yeah. Um, and, and everything that was established there and giving you an opportunity to reset each character um, or reground each character. Um, and this sort of just did that. So I think the, the fun will be in seeing them all, these versions of these characters all blend in a story together in the team and finally get to the answer of what the hell happened in New York. Yeah. I think it's also important for new readers to see these characters by themselves before they're thrust into like, you know, another classic Fantastic Four adventure with all kinds of, you know, crazy time stuff going on and devices and far flung villains and stuff like that. I think it's really good that they're setting everybody up again, not only for us because they've been away for uh, a hot minute, but for people just being introduced and getting excited about the uh, Marvel Studios Fantastic Four, even though it's a ways away. Uh, I keep feeling like I keep seeing casting articles uh, every now and again that people are, you know, fan casting and stuff like this. I feel like the longer they take with this, the more there's going to be this built in anticipation for a lot more people, not just us that are looking forward to this movie. Can I be honest? I feel like I'm going to be living off my 401k before we see that movie. <laughs> <laughs> The latest rumor is that Adam Driver is the top uh, runner for Reed. I don't know how to feel about that. That's a no for me, dog. I love Adam (laughs) Driver, and I cannot imagine that in any scenario. I can see him as Doctor Doom. Yes, I did see him. Oh yeah. This this past weekend, I watched White Noise on Netflix based on the uh, Delillo book, and he is Adam Driver's amazing. He's amazing. Logan Lucky, such a good movie. Yeah, he's so goofy, and he just I love it about him. But I don't know. I Fantastic Four, to your point, Steve, I think it's going to run into an issue where as we wait longer and longer for it. For it. I think people. For it. Oh. <laughs> for as long as we for wait. It. Fantastic for, for it. it. These um, are the jokes. Fan for it. <laughs> I I I worry about that kind of like audience anticipation getting to the point where it is inevitably going to be audience disappointment with whatever is announced. And I think that like even with like the Krasinski th- spoilers for Multiverse of Madness, even with like the John Krasinski thing, like the second it was revealed like, oh, it was just a cameo, like some corner was like, no, what? How could that be? Right? Like, get him back with Emily Blunt. Like, that's still a thing that's going around. Um, <laughs> I just feel like the longer we wait for that, it's going to build up and build up and build up. And, and that's going to be one that I think is going to... The same thing with the X-Men stuff. So, like, um, if anything, I'm almost glad that, like, there have been no plans announced for the X-Men because I think the second they even remotely mention that they're going to be making, like, this movie for this date, it is going to create this fan fervor that will just inevitably lead to disappointment. Like, if they had just, like, dropped Fantastic Four without telling us anything <laughs> about it, it would be completely different. At midnight, Taylor Swift style, just yes, surprise exactly. album. Exactly. <laughs> Taylor Swift is Sue Storm. What do we think? Ooh, okay. Okay, I could see it. I'm down. Yes. <laughs> Good stuff. All right, what else <laughs> do we got here? Um, I would watch the hell out of a Taylor Swift as Sue Storm. I'm I just guess. saying. Come on now. I don't see that, I'll be honest with you. Yeah, I know. Get out of town. <laughs> I mean, look, I there's no way it's worse than what we've had oh. so far. True. I'm have, you, have you seen her in the Bad Blood music video? I'm just saying. <laughs> just saying. 
It's so funny. I am. She is probably one of the only people I am. I don't hate. I don't love. I just. I. She's okay. She's good. Yeah, she's that's good that's probably the safest amount of disagreement for this show. Just saying. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I. I mean, I'll tell you if I do something. She's oh, I know. So well, yeah, for, no, Aaron, one. I know. <laughs> you would tell me. <laughs> You've been bullying you know. me since I got to the show. <laughs> <laughs> Let me just load up, make a list. No, um, no, I I appreciate her. Don't get me wrong. I, what she's done is amazing. You, you sound like a fun. you sound no, like a dad I'm, I'm trying to be like, no, look, really I appreciate what you're into. I just don't get nope. it. Okay? I'm being completely serious because <laughs> this chick has done something that very few people yeah. have been able to do, and that shift a genre of music. Yeah, one. And maintain a level of sort of relevance mm-hmm. for what fifteen years now that longer. many people yeah. slide into obscurity in. So I, that, that's the point I'm making. I appreciate that she's done that. It's just she's never consistently had me like Gaga over okay. her. So I don't. It, it's, I'm sort of just like I think she's great, but I'm not. I'm not going to kill myself. <laughs> now, said jo- that, Joey and I, on the other hand, are on the edge right now. <laughs> it tickles me when I watch you all in the chat. I'm just like, Whew. I'm like, this is their wait. I'm like, this is their Beyonce. This is yeah. their Whitney. Now, because you know, in the '80s, it would have been Whitney. Mm, yes, me. yes. Now, been, everything was all Whitney. The only woman that was ever on my walls. This thing. <laughs> I'm looking at a thing on my second screen right now as I was scrolling. It says, bro, when Kanye ruined Taylor's speech and later on when Beyonce won, she called Taylor on stage to continue yeah. her speech. Yes. I'm never forgetting this. Yes. It's mm-hmm. one of the classic moments. Mm-hmm. That's class right there. That's good stuff. Okay. It'll be in the movie. Yes. <laughs> the, the, the fantastic horror movie. movie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But speaking of which, I don't know who uh, I would want to play Sue Storm. Yeah. I really thought about that for a while. And I'm just like, I don't know if there's anyone that I feel like, anyone who's known that I feel like should play. I almost, I want no. them to have an unknown. You're getting a fully unknown cast. Maybe with like one, like one of the four will be like a known entity. The thing. The thing will be a known entity, Tom ironically. Army <laughs> <laughs> Viola Davis. Army Hammer, get out of here! Get out of here! Love it if it was Viola Davis. That would be amazing. Viola Davis's thing. I love that. That's good. Um, Bob, I read a bunch of your books as well. Uh, really love what Secret Invasion is doing for Maria Hill. I find that that book is showcasing some of her best qualities. And she is a badass. I definitely have some questions that I probably can't ask without going into Spoilerville about what's happening in that story. But I would be curious to maybe maybe with the next issue, we could double back. I can ask you yeah. your uh, opinion. It's only five Mr. issues, uh, so we only have two more. Well, this is why I always anno- Tony always annoys me. Can I can I can I talk about something then? Try it. Go. We'll see. What is it about? Try, try what is it about? It. It's about blood and it's about the like a a pretty big significant reveal and whether or not this person is who they say they are i know where you're going that might be a spoiler 
All right. That might be. If I'll skip it. Uh, the, the other spoiler, spoilery thing that I will say is Brahman was with me the other night when I was reading Scarlet Witch. <laughs> and all of a sudden I just went, holy <laughs> shit. She's like, that good, huh? And I said, oh my God, I won't spoil it for anyone. But you talk about a final page that just you throw your entire body at the comic and just go take me on an adventure. I am so ready for whatever comes for uh, Scarlet Witch 2, 3, 4, 5. I'm character reveal where I usually am so lost where they'll introduce this legacy character from eons ago. I have no idea who they are. And you turn the page and it's like so-and-so. And I went, yeah, yay, okay. I guess I'll learn about them in the issues to come. I'm happy for everyone else. No, and but then you do this one. <laughs> this one happens and this one was for me. And I was <laughs> very, very excited, very grateful to be 1000% on board. And I think it's interesting to see Darcy coming into the Marvel comics yeah. verse from the films um, and used really, really well here. And an, an interesting pairing uh, for her. She kind of reminded me a little bit of um, Zelda from the Doctor Strange stuff. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, she seems to be, you know, falling and falling into that category. I feel like they could go out for a coffee and just dish about their jobs and share, you know, uh, horror work stories. Yeah, they'll just be like, get a load of this shit. (laughs) So and so cast a spell the other day. You would not believe how long it took to clean it up. (laughs) Um, That's another thing. That's another weird thing. It's like this is going to go into I don't want to do it, but. So often I have seen little asides to Wanda kicking Stephen Strange's ass in various books at some point. And it makes me wonder, well, how is he the senior is this sorcerer supreme? Well, how was he the sorcerer supreme? <laughs> if there's other people more powerful and able to beat his ass. Everyone has a because bad of the day. patriarchy, uh... Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. She's a woman. <laughs> He, she's getting uh, 73 cents to the dollar of his supremeness, right? Oh, wow. <laughs> wow. <Yeah>. Thanks, Broadwood. <laughs> Just saying. <laughs> um, and we already talked about Fantastic Four. It's it's off to such a great start. I'm really excited for them to kind of get down to what's actually going on in the next issue. That'll be exciting to see, you know, where we're going uh, with this. Up. And the damn kids. Bring the damn kids yeah. into the story already. God Little damn it. Get off my lawn. Into my comic book. Get into my comic book. Tired of this kid slander. I need more. All right. Um, that's it for me. Uh, Chris, you're up next. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, first off, I have... <laughs> Those, those ricochet lightning, they'll get you. <laughs> First off, I have my resolutions for the year. Um, comic book book and movie resolutions. So I'll go quick. I'm going to try to read, actually read enough uh, DC Ultra titles to justify having bought it. Uh, because <laughs> I've been terrible at that so far. So I got to do that. So I'm going to dig into things. I want to specifically dig into five DC characters that I've never dug into before. I have not decided who, but I'm going to like 
get real obsessed with somebody else this year. That's something I've decided to do. Um, I want to read some more graphic novels because I was on such a kick of reading them before this sh- I came on this show, but I haven't done that since then. And I would like to actually read some like proper graphic novels. Um, I want to read some books I already own. Speaking of things I should be doing and not just buy new ones and read them. <laughs> And Bronwyn will appreciate. I'm going to try to finally finish the 24 book series of Shadowhunters this year. God damn it. (laughs) Bronwyn, your list is so much more accessible and possible than this 24 list of books. Exactly. But I'm going to do it. And I'm going to catch up on the movies that I've missed. Now that I am somewhat of a college dropout and have time, I'm going to catch up on the movies that I've missed in the last four years. So that's my goals. Amazing. Sounds like a great plan. And I would like to update the podcast world that while we were talking, I did ask Ben Khan's partner if they would do a Venom tattoo on me. And they said yes. So (laughs) nailed it. (laughs) You thought it was a joke, but it's happening. (laughs) With the the bow on the beach? With the bow and the words, first you make the uh, the beast beautiful. I feel like there needs to be like a rainbow glow stick, though, like around the neck or something, you know, like. Such a good point. Yeah. (laughs) Do they tattoo or are you just talking about art wise? No, I'm just going to get some random person to do a tattoo who doesn't do tattoos, Steve. No, uh, Ben Khan's partner is a tattoo artist. I did so, not know that. Yeah. So, yeah. Smart ass. They have, I'm, you know what? They had promised, I've never gotten a tattoo before. Ben Khan's partner promised to do my first one. So that's, we've been trying to figure out what it would be. And apparently it's going to be Venom. So here we go. Yes. I, I, Applaud the commitment. I, I would think you should start with a T-shirt on this character, but that's just me. Nope. 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 <laughs> nope. <laughs> I went straight from having not seen it to getting a tattoo. This is who I am, Bob. You just got to <laughs> embrace it. <laughs> but moving on from that to my actual lightning round. Um, so, yes. <laughs> More like. <lightning. laughs> so I've been catching up on a bunch of webtoons this week. Uh, I read Sui which is a zombie apocalypse story with so much gay pining, longing, love, and looks. It's amazing. Um, You would think that trying to survive zombies, they wouldn't have time, but they find the time. It's basically a story in which this one island becomes infested by zombies and gets quarantined off. And uh, the government's... Yes, (laughs) Yes, <laughs> Island. it's just the purge, the first purge. Um, <laughs> no, but they, they send in, the government sends in these warriors to go kill the infected and they decide to go ahead and just kill all the live humans just to be safe. But one of the, the main character of the story, October, actually goes in with the express purpose of finding his sister and it doesn't actually intend to kill the uninfected humans. Ends up rescuing one in the process who happens to be a cute boy and <laughs> it spirals out of control from there. Um, absolutely delightful. I loved it so much. After that, I needed a much more chill vibe, so I wound down with Fangs and Fools. This is a story about an island in which every single person there is not human. Uh, we've got werewolves, we've got vampires, we've got all kinds of things that have yet to be revealed what they are. But it starts with the main character, a vampire, waking up in this this island and not knowing that that's the case. So he's trying to hide it from everybody. Meanwhile, everybody knows because everybody else is magical too. And so they're just like, why is he being a weirdo? Uh, <laughs> he gets a werewolf roommate. Guess what? It too is gay. And... <laughs> 
<laughs> and they start falling in love right away. <laughs> it's more, glorious. I know, more on the chill vibe. Uh, I also have been reading Senos de Mayo, which is about a, a very powerful wizard who doesn't want to do the powerful wizard things of go questing. All he wants to do is open a potion shop and help people out. And it is so charming and cozy. And the art is very like purple pastel palette. And I, oh, it's so good. And then finally, if you really are feeling your, you know, it's winter time. So technically hot girl summer has passed, but you're still in your slut era and you really want one of the horniest comics on Webtoons, I recommend you go for Mystic Prince. It is a story in which literally every character is insane levels of beautiful (laughs) just just anime sparkling off the screen um but basically the plot line is that there are um these competitions that happen like once every hundred or thousand years even where someone is picked to be the prince supreme that balances the universe but to do that they have these uh half immortal princes that are raised and like trained and groomed basically to be these perfect these perfect leaders um they are trained to see themselves both as enemies and as brothers and so they live in this tension uh and you come into the story with this new set of princes who have grown up together who know that they're going to betray each other one day but are also supposed to act like brothers who are all super hot and have a bunch of fans girls following them around trying to figure out who's going to be the next emperor and it's got every romance trope character in it we've got grumpy we've got sunshine we've got the anxious one that's actually powerful we've got the dark history one there's literally 20 princes so every trope is here for you (laughs) i will send i'm gonna send some art to the chat while people ask questions because i just need you all to appreciate how ridiculously hot this book is Um, and with that that is my lightning round that last one does sound sort of like a a reality television show (laughs) (laughs) the bachelor but magic It actually does have that vibe. You're not wrong. It's like it's like Chinese court drama, The Bachelor with magic. That's oh what it's God. like. There's what is this? This Mystic Prince? Mystic Prince. Yes. All right. I'm gonna have to check this out. Now, I read the first few of what well, you pronounce it as Suri. Uh, they don't come. They don't come with a pronunciation guide. <laughs> well, this is because I've told I've asked Bronwyn twelve times how to say it. Okay. Suri. Uh, yeah. Suri. Suri. I, I look it's French. It, I, I'm thinking Yiddish. I think it's Suris, which is you know trouble. I literally called it Suris the entire <laughs> time, and Bronwyn <laughs> laughed at me. Uh, it's French for mouse. Okay, <laughs> it is French as opposed for to Yiddish for headache. Okay. Yeah. Well. <laughs> If you were if you were as horny for each other as these two are, you'd have a headache. So it makes sense. Yeah. I mean, you know, <laughs> it was really really well done. I love the art style. Yeah. It's a bit of a cross between anime and friend of the pod, Kristen Gudsnuck. Her hands yeah. and, and absolutely, making it's such so, a good book. I love it's it. Very emotional. I mean, yeah. the, the longing looks as you described them. They're there. They are definitely oh there. And there's yeah. still zombie action and nastiness yeah. happening. Lots of. And there are lots of not nice people in this, in the in yes. the first couple anyway. Hopefully they get better or die. I'm just saying. <laughs> I love you, Bob. Oh, my God. Oh, I know who you mean, too, because I, I guess trigger warning people, because it really does start out with a really creepy sexual oh, yeah. predator at the very beginning uh, of the story. Yeah. yeah. Let's just yeah. say he may or may not get what's coming to him. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, and Fangs and Fools. Oh, my God. Yes. I love Fangs and Fools. 
Oh my God, yes. Hit me with all your thoughts, Broadwood. (laughs) I just, it's so cute. I can't with them. Like, it's funny because it's, like, (laughs) this one's not for you, Steve. It's too slow a burn. (laughs) Yes. So slow. It's a slow ass burn. But it's so cute. Like, there's just, it's these, these two guys who are just, like, they both happen to wake up just on this island. They don't really know what's going on. And they're both so like stoic in different uh-huh. ways that they, yes. they just don't talk to anybody. They don't do anything. They're just like, I'm just going to see where this goes, but they don't <laughs> actually do anything about it. You yeah. know, <laughs> it's just, it's just pining like 24 Like, huh. I wonder what he's doing. Oh, I wonder what he's doing. Hmm, I wonder what he's doing. Yeah. I don't like him or anything, but I no. also cannot stop following him around. <laughs> <laughs> It's cute because you say that they're both stoic, but I think one of the non-spoiler reveals is that the other one isn't stoic. He's Not just even- been he's just been mimicking the his other one the whole time because he like mimics people's behavior. And so the one is stoic and he's like, okay, we're doing stoic we're now. Doing I can stoic. do stoic now. Nailed it. Nailed it. <laughs> it's so cute. But I also I love their little art styles like it's it's not a super detailed art style it's actually quite minimalist in a lot of ways um but there are these tiny little character details that add so much personality like um our little vampire friend nell has this he always has these little like twig leaf things coming out of his body yeah out of his hair especially but not just his hair if you when you look around his person, there's always at least one little twig with two green leaves, tiny, coming out of yeah. him somewhere. <laughs> yes. And our little werewolf who ha- whose ears pop out when he's feeling intense emotions. Yes. Just- <laughs> like a little puppy. Yep, he is. He's and such he- a puppy. He has a peak fang. He does. Just a tiny little fang. It's so charming. It really is just the cutest. Oh and there's God. there's a gender fluid shapeshifter that lives next door who yep. can physically shape their body into whatever gender they're presenting that day. And I'm like, ah, uh, envy. Okay, please. Yep. <laughs> and like, How do I get that superpower? <laughs> you know, Nell's like, I thought I had two pink haired room like neighbors what the hell he's like <laughs> we were different people he's <laughs> like no i just use this name when i'm a guy and this name when i'm a, a woman and and so nell's like but but why though and he's like, because sometimes i'm a man and sometimes i'm a woman like that's like the whole explanation yeah. and i love it <laughs> <laughs> it's so good it's so good <laughs> oh i love it <laughs> Nice. I've put um, Mystic Prince in my webtoon while you were talking about it. Oh my god, it. please. I need yeah, you I to read it. it I, need, I, need a, I need you each to read it and then tell me who your favorite prince is and who we're rooting for because I really feel like this can be consumed as reality TV. <laughs> yes. like, no, I'm this, this prince is my one. I'm going on this prince's side. All right. Have either of you checked out the Uncloseted Lesbian yes. on webtoon? Yes. Is it good? Ooh. I've only read a little bit of it because I forgot about it until you're talking about it just now. So I don't remember, but I have to go back and read it. <laughs> um, wait, actually, I might have the name wrong. The Recloseted Lesbian. Yeah. Yes. I know what you're talking about. I it's read been that a while. One. Been a hot minute. I've been uh, adoring um, Office Talk, though. For- <gasps> yes. Oh, my God. Oh, and um, oh, my God. What's the other one with Yura and 
uh, spring before winter, winter spring. before spring. winter before spring. That's oh the way God. seasons work. <laughs> no, I <laughs> there's a few seasonal books. I don't know, yeah. but yeah. yeah. Oh God, Office Talk is so cute. And, and uh, Steve, you'll appreciate that Brownman and I are working on your bingo card of webtoons you have to read this year. So you will yes. get that awesome. soon. Awesome. <laughs> Sounds good. Yeah, we finally finished TJ's list of the smuttiest books we could find him. <laughs> I, I was, I have to say, I was disappointed by the lack of smut in TJ's life on that podcast. <laughs> I know! <laughs> we, had to, we had to fix it for him. We're like, yeah. don't worry, bud. We will get you all of the smut. It's yeah. okay. <laughs> on that uh, note, though, I'm quite thrilled that we've converted the entire evil chat of evil to yeah. silver under nightfall <laughs> yes that's another book you all need to read i don't, I don't know how we've just taken this over to just do book reviews uh, <laughs> but but if you need some smut in your life that is some high silver quality under smut. nightfall is a vampire hunter x vampire x vampire thruple yes it's amazing <laughs> so good sounds complicated it sure is and i love it so much (laughs) yes yeah all right let's uh move on to the final (laughs) lightning round here (laughs) which is you you. no (laughs) all right i'm gonna go (laughs) we'll go through my stuff kind of quick uh mostly because I'm uh, cribbing off of John's lightning round from last week or the week before. Take your pick. Uh, In going through some of the year-end stuff that we spoke about, I decided to check out King of Spies. I read King of Spies numbers one through five. This was written by Mark Millar with art by Matteo Scalera, who, if you're familiar with their work on X-Men and other things, uh, this is, I believe, going to be adapted for the screen, and I'm looking forward to that. I feel like it takes forever for Mark Millar's stuff to actually be realized in another form of media, but I, I'm eagerly anticipating it. Basically, the setup for this is the greatest spy in the world is getting on, and he has just found out that he has a rare form of cancer and has six months to live. Instead of continuing to do his job, he has kind of had a come to Jesus moment where he is now going to use his unique set of skills to take out every scumbag that he's aware of before he dies. And so this book is basically five issues of this semi-complicated relationship with his son, who is also a spy and kind of charged with bringing him in. And him taking out as many assholes as humanly possible before they catch up to him. It is positively brutal. Uh, It had very much a Violent Night uh, effect that we talked about on the show, the Christmas movie a few weeks ago, where I was not really anticipating the level of violence that I got here. Um, And it kind of blew me away a little bit. Uh, But damn, was it fun. Uh, very John Wick in that way, uh, lots of headshots and so forth, but all deserving people, uh, very much a you love to see it kind of vibe from the people that he's taking out, whether it's the Harvey Weinstein likes or the pedophiles or thing, other people thereof. Um, he works quick, he knows what he's doing, and he makes them suffer before they go, and I, I liked it. I liked it a lot. 
Uh, John talked extensively about Immortal X-Men uh, numbers. Well, whatever. Eight and nine last week. I read one through nine over the past few weeks. I loved issues one through four. Five and six were a bit of a drag for me because they were caught up in the Axe AXE Judgment Day event and just kind of lost the momentum of what we had going after the stellar introduction of one through four. Um, The only issue in that block of AXE stuff that I really enjoyed was number seven, which focuses on Nightcrawler. Um, Just some really killer scenes with this character. I've really enjoyed Kurt in this new iteration of the X-Men over the past uh, few years and uh, really, really have some questions here about Captain America and what his deal is with being resurrected by the X-Men. I need either John or if one of you know, please inform me because I am still so confused. I have not read the comic where they've explained oh oh yeah no yeah that's a thing that's a thing remember that's the that that's the thing that happened when i said nope yeah that's the thing that i also said nope and i didn't even read the book (laughs) because this is like the gross egg thing right yeah Yeah. but like there's such a cool moment in this where nightcrawler and cap are sky like skydiving and nightcrawler uh puts a needle in his neck takes the blood out without him noticing and magic warps in through one of her portals midair and Kurt hands her the vial and she disappears through the portal and he keeps skydiving with Cap like nothing happened. There's another <laughs> part in the story where he kind of does the same thing, but with destiny where he just warps to like this ungodly height in the air and drops her and keeps on like teleporting down to catch her and then teleporting her back up. So it's kind of like Loki when he's like, I've been falling for 30 <laughs> minutes. And he kind of traps her in this loop until they can have this uh, conversation that needs to be had. Um, and there's some really, really killer moments with Nightcrawler. Really, really enjoyed Seven, even though that was a part of the uh, Judgment Day stuff. But man, sometimes events just get in the way of a good story. And, you know, they did some cool things with it. But overall, I, I it kind of lost the momentum for me a little bit there. But then it came back really strong with eight and nine. This was the sinister stuff that John was talking about last time about sinister wanting to take uh, the council out and kind of fixing it with the Moira clones to uh, have a go at it over and over and over again. And just the structuring of that issue and, and how those moments are delivered and the little changes that are happening, like coming off of watching glass onion and the whodunit and like order of events and stuff like that. It was really fun to read this issue. Uh, it kind of had a lot of the same energy of that movie, I thought. Uh, and Sinister is still one of the absolute standout characters in this new generation or new era of X stuff that I've been reading. Uh, and last but not least, I'll talk about uh, Kaya real quick. Kaya, Kaya. I'm not quite sure how this is pronounced. Uh, one through four, this is story art and design by Wes Craig of Deadly Class fame. Colors by uh, Jason Wordy and letters by And World Design. The art in this book, you've seen Deadly Class, you know what it looks like. <sighs> Wes Craig is just going to new levels with this story. The colors in this book are so, so, so 
beautiful. I never thought that like a desolate desert could be so colorful. He's found a way to take this like lizard warrior species that roams the desert and the colors that shimmer off their scales and the way that their hair flows when they're in combat or the beasts that they ride or when the sun's going down and it's hitting the sand. It looks absolutely incredible. It's a really compelling journey about a brother-sister duo, uh, older sister who has this like gold mechanical uh, arm that she's uh, given herself. And her little brother is this prince who is really bratty, doesn't know how to behave, doesn't know when to be quiet, kind of stumbles into trouble left and right. Uh, He is trying to find himself in this weird world where even though their people, uh, their village has been destroyed, he thinks that it's his job to keep their legacy alive and to carry on being the prince. But how can you be a prince when you have no people? Mm. And so he's trying to figure that out. Uh, It's a really emotional journey for him that I like a lot. He's kind of slowly learning about tough decisions that he'll have to make if he ever does have followers again, if they ever do rebuild their kingdom. Uh, And it's also a story about how there are some people, you see it in politics all the time, but people that talk a big game and they're actually just full of shit. And that Mm -hmm. you should never blindly join someone in battle without knowing their worth before you get involved. Um, There's a particular character in these first couple of issues uh, that really goes to town on Kaya and her brother uh, and you can't stand him. And it's, he does eventually fall and it's a, it's a real satisfying, it's not an ending for him, but it is definitely an arc that puts him in his place by the end. And I said it before, I'll say it again. You love to see it watching bad people go down. It's, it's quite nice. Um, And I'm, I'm really digging this so far. Like, it's continuing, it's going on, but these four issues feel very complete. And so if you want to get a taste of this, these four issues will really, really give you um, like the world and the vibes and kind of the belief system that they're operating off of. And like I said before, it is positively gorgeous. It has like really, really incredible color palette and this dark inky art style that is something quite different from deadly class deadly class has a little bit more fine line work in it um it was going for kind of that like 80s punk aesthetic this is a bit more tribal and just really 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 impressive stuff uh i i dig it a lot uh it's k-a-y-a kaya kaya whatever you please uh and that's what i've got I read a bunch of everybody else's books, so but those are mine. Um, anybody had a, wow. Whoa. Has anybody else had a chance to check out either Kaya or King of Spies? No, but they sound good. Thank you. I'm sorry. No, no, no. Hey, look, no one else said anything, so. <laughs> what was that, Aaron? I was saying, I think I pr- looked... I think I've almost picked up King of Spies a couple times, and I think I was—I keep confusing it with um, was it Human Target? I think for some reason. Ah, uh, possibly that's the that's the Tom King uh, thing that yeah. I keep telling everybody to read. So, so whenever whenever I see it come up, I'm like, wait, which one is this? And then I just it's it's overwhelming, and I just walk away. Yeah. <laughs> so. 
Mark, um, well, I didn't think that King of Spies was overwhelming. It was pretty cut and dry. No, no, no. I mean, trying to decide between which one it is. Is this the right oh. one? Is this <laughs> it's one just too, meant to read? too hard. Uh, well, okay, so Mark Millar is working on an adaptation of King of Spies with Netflix. Uh, thankfully, you know, Netflix, well, not thankfully for Netflix, but they they tend to cancel things prematurely. Uh, this was only five issues, and I think it was a complete story. So maybe if they make a season of television out of this, they can tell they can tell the whole story uh, and then maybe find a way to continue it from there. But um, honestly, they should just make a movie out of this instead. Mm-hmm. Uh, that would be my recommendation. But this article talks about like the Magic Order series is still in the works and every the super crooks, everything of his, with the exception of like Jupiter's Legacy, uh, it just feels like it takes eons to uh, to see the light of day. But um, I'll be I'll be curious to see what they do with this uh, when they adapt it. But in the meantime, definitely go in and check out uh, King of Spies one through five. It's a lot of fun. Uh, there's, there is a bit to stomach violence wise. But um, if you like Mateo Scalera's artwork, you are in for a treat. Uh, it looks real slick and stylish. I liked it a lot. Where is it violence level compared to like Teenage Mercenary? Honestly, I don't. I don't remember. I haven't. I haven't touched Teenage Mercenary in a while. It's John. It's John Wick and Violent Night levels of like you. You see people. There, there's there's people getting shot off panel, and then there's people getting shot. Edit going out the other side, not like oh. gory bits everywhere or anything. There's a lot of like drenching characters in shadow, so you only get the silhouette of what's happening, but it's still pretty brutal. Okay. Um, yeah. I think this will work better for you, Bronwyn, as a television show or movie. Okay. Um, than a, but it also it's also super quick. Um. Yeah, I'll probably read that as my bedtime read. (laughs) It's it's really well written. It moves very fast. Uh, The main character is very charismatic, and like I said, like the the mission at hand of him taking out there's there's like two to three pages where we just have three scenarios on each page of the types of people that he's taking out, and it's it's all the people in in the news and around the world that you you hate to see fail upward and he's yeah. actually doing something about it all right so you know if you want to like take someone like matt gates to task or harvey weinstein <laughs> or marjorie to taylor bitch or whatever the hell all right name is. all right all right all right all right okay, all right okay all right i'm in i'm here so, for it sign me up yeah yeah i can't remember her last name green, green. Not important enough to remember yeah she sucks. I just right. know I know her name because I shake my fist and say it once a day. You know. Yeah. She's so disgusting. <laughs> like I'm right. pinky in the brain. <laughs> <laughs> That's it for books. Let's uh, let's let's talk quickly about this Renfield trailer. Renfield. Oh, Everything I didn't know I was missing in my life. I, know. I didn't know I needed Nicolas Cage as Dracula, but I absolutely don't think I can live without it now. Oh you my god! You need to go back and you need to watch Vampire's, Vampire's Kiss. Kiss. Yes, fair. You know if, what? Fair. If you if you want to see Nicolas Cage as Dracula, a vampire, you want to watch Nicolas Cage think he's a vampire <laughs> in the late what's that eighty eight maybe eighty nine yeah 
I can't yeah. remember if I've actually seen this movie or if I've just heard you guys talk about no, no. it so much that you I would know. feel you like would I've know. seen it. <laughs> You, you, there is, there is a, there, you are, a, there's a person before Vampire's Kiss and a person after. <laughs> I, I have never seen Vampire's Kiss, and it is on Amazon Prime. Okay, well, <laughs> oh my god, it's gotta be like, it's gotta be like eighty-five minutes long. You, you could probably watch it tonight. <laughs> I will. Again. I'm a vampire. I'm a vampire. Okay, so been... that was amazing, Joey. When you had you popped that into the chat, I was like. Do you need to tell us something about your honeymoon? <laughs> Are you okay? And that's what I knew. That's what I knew you hadn't seen it. Because that is, like, okay. So like a friend of mine has like a Nick Cage passport where she's like working through every single Nicolas Cage film and she stamps her passport anytime she watches one. That's amazing. amazing. And there are, there are seminal Nick Cage films. You know, mm-hmm. it's like Moonstruck. National it's, Treasure. It's like Wicker Man. You know, yeah. like. These, I like, said iconic, what I said. <laughs> iconic pieces of cagery. Yes. And, cagery. and Vampire's Kiss is like, is like, it's like, it's like those like, what does it it's mean? Like, it's like, what does it mean? It's like if you meet a, a radio DJ and they're like, yeah, but man, have you listened to this album? You know, yeah. like Nick's yeah. Cage, Nick Cage fans would be like, yeah, man, but have you watched Vampire's Kiss though? Listen. Like, that's, <laughs> that's what we're talking about here. Uh, face off. Come on now. Okay. I watched Face Off again great. like two weeks ago. But Face Off is perfect. What was Raising the one Arizona. that was like um, Freddy's Nightmare? Oh, oh that's uh, that one. Willy's Wonderland. Oh, Willy's Wonderland, Wonderland is so good. So good. Oh my god! I watched it for Halloween. Oh my god, it was so good. Did you all watch the um, the A Bearable Talent of? Not yet. Not, Not yet. yet. That's on the catch up list. Bits and pieces of it. I've literally it's on it's on cable, so I've yeah. popped into it, and it's like at a certain point, I'm like, well, I feel like I should be watching this from the beginning. That I've watched movie, a couple of scenes. That movie is. It's not as good as you want it to be, hmm. but for Nick Cage fans, it's still really good. And it <laughs> yeah. does have Daddy Pascal in it, right? So it exactly. does have Daddy Pascal in it. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, Renfield. <laughs> Renfield is him and Nicholas. It's Nicholas Holt, and I love Nicholas Holt so much. So right. I'm ready for this. This is going to yeah. be yeah. great. Witness me! Yes! <laughs> no idea. Like I've been writing about this movie since they announced it, and I still yeah, like 1997. Yeah, like, I <laughs> I still didn't understand the concept of it. So when all of a sudden this trailer dropped, I was like, "Oh, cool!" You know, like let's check it out. And just tonally, this looks like a ride and a half. It looks so fun. I am so ready to go to the theater for this movie. Right? Oh my it, god! It looks like so, it looks so much fun, and it looks cool too. Like just from a from a set design and lighting perspective, there's some color work going on in this trailer that I absolutely love. And Nicholas Holt looks amazing. He in really this. does. I yeah. love him. I think definitely getting a, a warm bodies vibe from him. Yes. Right. I think it's also a, a better way for Universal to relaunch monsters. Yes. Than what yes. they tried with Tom Cruise and Oh God. Oh, God. Yeah. R.I.P. Dark they, Universe. They, <laughs> yeah. Dark the Dark they try to do action films. They try to do yeah. action horror films, which look, our boy Brendan Fraser already cornered the, the market on that one. And yes. you're never gonna do that yeah. again, right? Agreed. They try to do these like twenty first century action films that like are empty, vapid pieces of nothing. If you go down the road of like schlock horror, horror comedy, like this is how you build a horror universe. 
or, or what or what they did with Invisible Man. Yeah, yeah. yeah. smaller, yes. scarier. Don't don't go all CGI silliness. Go for something personal. Yeah, hundred percent. And just do like you know, an Abbott and Costello meets Frankenstein. Um, but like, who would that be today? Who would I don't know? I don't know. Who would it be? Kevin Hart Kevin Hart. Rock <laughs> Kevin James. Oh, yeah. no. oh no! God, that hurt a lot. Yeah. It'd uh, be like Pete Davidson now. That's who it would be. Yeah, Pete Davidson and Pete Davidson. Pete Davidson. Both <laughs> Pete Davidson. Pete <laughs> the Rock. So is that Pete Davidson and Pete Davidson, or Pete Davidson and Peter Davidson the Doctor? I would love to yeah. see Pete Davidson and Peter Davidson meet Frankenstein, <laughs> right? Because that I would watch. How about, how about Chris Rock and Will Smith? Okay, oh, together. Okay, I can't see no problems. Wow. Why don't we just we'll just nice. do Harry Styles and Chris Pine? There's yes. no hard feelings there. Yeah. Watch that movie too on the plane. How was, was it? How was it? That was. Florence Pugh is fantastic. I know. That movie, I will say, here's what I'll say about Don't Worry, Darling. Don't Worry, Darling took the first hour and a half of that movie. I was like, I can't believe I've only watched an hour and a half of this movie. It feels like (laughs) I've been here for five hours. (laughs) The last 30 minutes of that movie, there is a, a pretty solid, like, twist like twilight zone twist to it and then the last half hour is actually really good okay uh, that movie suffers because of all the shit around that yeah. movie i think you yeah. mean it um, does better because of the shit around that movie let's be honest i guess nobody would have but, cared um, about that movie if it wasn't for the shit around that movie now that i think about it who would be the comedy duo that meets frankenstein today <laughs> which it's taylor swift and carly ray jepsen and <laughs> oh my god <laughs> yes oh uh, who would be it would be, it would be Matt Damon and Ben Affleck meet Frankenstein. That's right. who it would be, <laughs> and it might be kind of good actually. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Chris and Wig and Maya Rudolph. No. Let's go with that. It's oh, cool. that'd be fun too. I was gonna say, let's, oh, it'd be, let's be Amy Poehler and Tina Fey a few years ago. Oh. Which one, Aaron? No one watched the Olympics a few years ago with Snoop Dogg and Kevin Hart. <gasps> Snoop Dogg and, no. and, and Martha Stewart. And- Meet Frankenstein. <laughs> Frankenstein's monster for our our diehards out there. I mean, yeah. I was talking about the doctor, but okay, you know what? <laughs> Joseph. Well, I'm, I'm riffing on the original film. Joe but Quinn. Okay. Yes, but it, 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 in the original film, it was still Frankenstein, though Count Dracula continually refers to him as the monster. But yeah, the, the audience had already checked out. <laughs> wasn't the title? Wasn't the title Frankenstein's monster? No, Sam Costello meet Frankenstein. Uh. Oh, nice. In the remember. first few Universals, the, 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 it was Mars. the Bride of Frankenstein and the Doctor was getting married, the son of its Basil Rathbone as the son, and it is all that until we get to Evan Costello, and then it, it falls apart from there on. Right, right. That's where it years, it's that. <laughs> Speaking of movies, has anyone seen The Menu? Yes, that movie rules. Does it? Yeah. Oh, that's on Talk my about list. The Nicholas Holt. Talk about a yeah. Nicholas Holt movie. Oh, Haven't watched oh. it yet, but we watched a trailer the other night, and we were, were looking forward to watching that. Oh, he, cannot wait. Such, Nicholas Holt is such a. Oh, I'm not gonna. Never mind. I'm yeah. not gonna. Never mind. Uh, but can you Taylor Joy Ray Fine? What? Leguizamo's <laughs> in that one too. It's great. That movie's great. Awesome. Check that out. Anyway. Anyway, Renfield. great. See it. Renfield. 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 That's <laughs> what we're talking about. <laughs> Renfield looks like a lot of fun. It looks amazing. Definitely so going to check that out uh, when that hits theaters. Maybe we'll we'll break our uh, 
only superhero movie rule and go and check that out. Yeah, because we've done that tonight. I was going to (laughs) say... So many references in the Renfield trailer to the Universal things. That, that there's that little coffin with bugs in it. That's actually in the Lugosi Dracula. Nice. Aww. They show you the sheet music to Swan Lake, which is the music played in that movie because that's all they had. It was public domain. Let, let's just use that. We just go with that. Though Amazing. his look is less Dracula than it is Lon Chaney's London After Midnight, one of the most famous yep. lost films of all time with all those teeth. But mm-hmm. Nick, Nick pulls it off, and it's much better than the teeth he has in Vampire's Kiss, right, Joey? <laughs> you know what I watched on the? Uh, oh yeah, well, <laughs> you know what I watched on the plane too? Creature hmm. from the Black Lagoon. The Isn't that great? That movie rules. It does. Oh my god, Joey, have you read um, Lady from the Black Lagoon? No, I don't know how to read. Oh, I forgot. Uh, well, there's an audio book that'll help you, um, and maybe it has pictures. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> No, Lady from the Black Lagoon by Mallory O'Mara is an exploration about about the woman who actually made the creature from the Black Lagoon costume, but then got all of her credit taken away from her. And it is bullshit. You know, I know, I know. It is such an incredible book, and I absolutely recommend everybody read it because it because that brilliant. costume is it's amazing, so and it's made and, by a woman, the first woman and, to work in like um, you know special effects. It was incredible. It's and I'm watching this movie that it's like nineteen. What is it? Nineteen fifty-three. Forty fifty-three. Forty. Yeah. So like, and I'm watching it, and I'm like, there must be so much underneath that suit for this man to just be swimming around down there, right? But it looks so solid. Like it, it looks so clean. It's like a perfect costume. There's there's mobility, hides any kind of apparatus underneath it. It's great. Um, there it's actually, really there actually really isn't. They hired there there are two creature actors. Uh Riku Browning who worked as a pearl diver and things like that is the undersea creature. The guy named Ben Chapman is the on land creature. And Riku could stay underwater for a long time. So he's really, he's, he's, he's the creature. He's that, that, did you, that you'd never seen it before? No, this was my first time. The Spielberg, who's a big fan of the movie, borrowed the whole creature swimming underneath Julie Adams for Jaws. This, there, there's, a, there's similar shots in Jaws that he just borrowed because he loved Creature from the Black Lagoon. It's so great. And more, and, and as you're saying, Chris, more more props to Millicent, Millicent Patrick. Yeah, Millicent Price. Millicent Price. Okay. Oh, Pr- Patrick was her name, her original name, I think. Yeah, Millicent Patrick. And all, Joe, all anyway. credit went to, you know, the Westmores or whatever. It's like, stop, please. Yes, yes. Well, because she, you know, uh, tried to actually get her due, and they cut her completely out. Yeah. Which follows <laughs> the shock the, face. The, the, I know, right? Right. Shocking. Shocking. What was it? Ego, probably. It's ego, probably. <laughs> what was the reason? What was the villain? Ego, probably. Ego, probably. Ego, probably. <laughs> That's my review of all things MCU, too. Uh, to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Ego, probably. Probably. Yeah. It's probably what happened. I did write that down as a potential episode title. But we have, we, have a we were lot. feeding it to you. We were feeding it to you. We have a lot of contenders. I'm excited to hear them when we wrap. Okay. Um, 
we could quickly go through this story. I mean, there's a lot here, but I don't know how much time we want to spend on it. I want to make it's, fun of it for at least a few seconds, but go ahead. Yeah, this is a make fun of story. Not it a sounds story. like Dwayne Johnson, almost as if the bubble has popped for Mr. Dwayne Johnson. I know he's still the one of the biggest stars in Hollywood, but I think people Both are literally starting, and figuratively. Yes, I think people, <laughs> especially investors, are starting to figure out that he might not be as bankable as he talks himself up to be. Um, Black Adam is turning out to be a pretty big flop for DC as they're nearing the end of, uh, I don't even know what you want to call it, the Snyderverse era. God, no. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what else. The, the you know, whatever. The, the DCEU, the, the gun saffron era is about to start uh, after this year ends, but Black Adam came out on October 21st, and this is all coming from Variety, fizzled with a 391 worldwide haul against a 195 million budget with a 40 million uh, reshoot calendar on top of that. That's a lot. That is that's a lot of money. Um, And so when they were trying to figure out what was going on with people leaving the company and new people coming in, Dwayne Johnson had evidently, according to some people, kind of gone behind the backs of some looking to kind of suck up the DC and make it the Black Adam verse and really position himself to kind of be the new Superman. Oh, dear. Uh, And this is where they came up with the whole Black Adam versus Superman thing. And, you know, promising the world uh, Henry Cavill is back, blah, 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 when they really didn't have all the pieces in place to announce something that big, especially given uh, the cachet that Cavill has with the Snyderverse crowd. Uh, So that was a huge misstep for them that they needed to backtrack on uh, in like just two weeks time. They pulled the plug on that. And uh, he evidently made like a couple of demands uh, surrounding the Black Adam launch that were very outlandish. One of them, including uh, having a Terra Mana, which is his tequila brand. You have a bar. Having a bar. Kids movie. <laughs> yeah, at this, so at this PG this PG thirteen rated film premiere. Um, and so, according to people, insiders or whatever, his demands increased, and the returns just weren't there. Meaning that. He talks a lot. He he tells you that the hierarchy of the DC universe is about to change. And then, you know, one way or another, it doesn't. Uh, and then <laughs> last but not least, and then everybody can chime in, because uh, I'm sure you're going to love this bit. They sandwich into this article in like a line that DC is toying with the idea of remaining with Ezra Miller beyond the flash that comes out in june meanwhile they still have not answered for all of their uh you know proposed uh so what's the word i'm looking for alleged crimes (laughs) kidnappings very very (laughs) obviously done alleged crimes yeah yes look man (laughs) i've been saying i've been saying this about the rock for years (laughs) you have And, and 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 when and when they had Cavill in, when he was like talking up, we're gonna have we're gonna have Henry Cavill back as Superman. I was like, this is a red flag, y'all. And I knew it then. I was like, there is no plan here. 
There is nothing here other than The Rock being The Rock, being like, let's drum up, let's drum up the 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 gate for our next, you know, match that uh, hopefully will promote. You know, it's it's a wrestling mindset, you know, mm-hmm. and and it's great, and that's what he is. He, he's a great talker and he's a great marketeer, but like, it's not there. Like, <laughs> and in the in, he's in an this, action in the star, this, he's great. His ex wife is Henry Cavill's agent. You think that had something to do with ah, trying to talk about Cavill? Seriously? Oh yeah, they're, Shut they're the like a, door. They are they're a production yeah, marketing yeah. powerhouse, the two of them. Oh Danny my God. Garcia and, yeah. and The Rock. Yeah, like it's it's a it's an amazing story, like the but, two of them. So, but, Joey, are you suggesting that the man, Dwayne the Rock Johnson, the man who had in his contract for Fast and Furious that no one could see him lose anything ever, might be a proud person that maybe just yeah. talks shit? Dude, <laughs> it's funny because like it, the thing, the thing that gets me about The Rock, yeah, is I do think he is he's very charming. He's a great action star, and he's did, he's done a lot of movies that I love. Yes. like I mm-hmm. I love the 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 fast movies, the Fast yep. and Furious movies, especially the ones that he's in. Yeah, um, I uh, and clothes between films. Yeah, well, you know, <laughs> Jumanji, great, yep. right? Like he's funny, he's great. But the thing about him, and and I I think maybe I doubt it, but like. Immediately after all the variety story broke, he posted that Instagram post that was like humility and failure, y'all. Like I'm, I'm born to learn lessons, mana. You know, like it's like he's 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 it's like uh, his 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 online persona is fantastic. But like the thing that he often forgets is like he doesn't do any of this on his own. Like the second hit the Fast and the Furious movies got popular again. He thought it was because he was in them. <laughs> so he made the Hobbs and Shaw movie. <laughs> like, movie it's was like, so bad. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like, what? Like, what? And the same thing with, like, the DC Universe stuff. Yeah. Like, the Black Black Adam exists because The Rock thought that he could do it without the rest of the DC Universe. Like, like <laughs> no, I don't want to do Shazam movies. I don't want to be the villain. I want to be the hero. I want my own movie. And, like, God. you talk it up to the point where, look, $400 million is not, is not bad. But I think it's that idea, Stephen, it was in the article of, like, the game is the, – they talk a big game, but the returns aren't at that level. Yeah. You know? Um, profitability right like it's not just profit it's profitability which is a different thing it's how much money do you make versus how much it costs you to get here (laughs) yeah yeah he's just got like he can be like a like a quintessential like action star Hmm. like a la like schwarzenegger still like kind of occupying that space but that is a very different space than being like i am a list Hollywood leading man who can yeah. run every franchise no matter the genre. Yeah. You know? Like Yeah. Yep. I love he's great. He's yeah. charming. He's fantastic. He's just got a kind of mm-hmm. I, I think that like and that and that that kind of power grab of like mm. I'm gonna make this in its like fledgling state as it's failing all around me. I'm gonna make it about me to like carry it through. Yeah. That's that's revealing. Also, I wonder yeah, fair oh, enough. go ahead, Chris. I'm sorry. 
I was just going to say, just RIP, poor Henry Cavill leaving The Witcher to go be Superman and then not getting Superman. I'm just, I'm so, so sad. Um, <laughs> I'm glad he's making his uh, Warhammer yeah. um, cinematic universe because that's all he's ever wanted. But I genuinely felt so sad for him. I wonder if he called up like the uh, lesser Hemsworth brother and was like, are you sure we can't trade? Do you have to be The Witcher now? <laughs> So after um, you add together the the 195 and the 40 in reshoots, I'm wondering if the 195 budget includes uh, promotion. No, because I doubt it. No, usually it doesn't. Right. So 156 million profit at the end of the day from the 391 that it made. And that's made possibly not counting. No, I don't think. What's the no, rule? You have to like make, the rule is like double the budget right, for that's a, the advertising? usual uh, number. So if their budget is one ninety plus forty, what was that? Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> My phone started making a noise, and it's usually not there. So I apologize. <laughs> it's usually on quiet. <laughs> that was so strange. <laughs> You were saying, Joey? As was what Joey was saying, you, you might, if it's 190 and 40, it's a 230 budget. You have to make 460 to break even. Right. If you count the prints and the merchandising and all the rest that goes with it. So they may be in the hole for 70 or 80 million dollars on this. Enough Oof. money they could have put out Batgirl. Just saying. Right. Mm hmm. <sighs> what could have been? Anyway, that's the state of the DC EU. It's uh, still falling apart. Also, yeah. Ezra well, Miller like, is proof that cancel culture isn't real. Just, well, yeah. We cannot cancel them. We're trying so hard. I, right? I don't understand, too. Like, that's a movie. I don't understand the. I get it. You want to release it. You spend so much money on it. Same thing with Aquaman, but Aquaman's going to slap. Get ready for that. Um, oh, God. Yes, I can't wait. The, the, the like, Flash. And Ezra Miller, like, is, is it that big of a draw? Like, I don't get it. Like, I don't. Yeah. It was the same thing with the Black Adam when it was like they were like really leaning into Black Adam. And even us on a show about comic books on which there are fans of the character on this show, I suppose. <laughs> right. Like. John's we not here to like, defend himself. Oh, which character? <laughs> yeah, Sorry, Black John. Adam and Sharon, oh, no. And all these characters. All right. I thought it's you were like, saying Flash. And I was like, yeah, I love Flash. Oh, not no, Black no, Adam. No, Sorry. no, 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 no. <laughs> but, like, but like, even we were like, what? Like, like, what is this? And I, I, I just don't. I'm eager to see what Gunn and, Sh and Shaffron announce. But even then, it's like until I start seeing things, I, I just, I don't know. I don't know. Joey, at the I New York it take Comic me a Con lot to get over. Oh, sorry, Bob. Go ahead. Oh, I was just gonna say at the New York Comic Con, Warner's couldn't give away tickets to the screening for Black Adam oh, at a Comic Con. Oh shit! Right, and that's a Comic Con. Like, yeah. I'm just, I'm sorry. It's gonna take me a lot, like a lot, a lot, to get over how bitter I am about the whole Batgirl sitch. So, mm -hmm. uh -huh. and like, it's it's just compounded by the fact that Black Adam was stupid and the Flash is still a thing. <laughs> yep. Given Ezra Miller's shenanigans. So, like, yes, as you said, Joey, I'm excited to sort of see what Gunn announces and what that whole sort of relaunch and blah, blah, blah. But I'm excited in a way it's like that train wreck fascination where you can't look away from something as huh. it's 
flaming out. (laughs) That's what I feel. I mean, Flash is going to have Supergirl and Michael Keaton. And oh, I'm here for Michael Keaton. I am. Perhaps is Blue Beetle going to be in that, or is he? Is, is Blue Beetle going to get his own thing? Blue Beetle has his own movie coming. Right, 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 right. Yeah, which right. I am excited for. That's going to be amazing. But, but Superman and Wonder Woman are out of the Flash, my understanding. Oh, they were in it. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know that they either. Were, they Surprise. were cameos. They've been cut. Yeah, I just don't get it. Like, I don't get. I don't get that. Well, I, I, like I said, I get it. You spent three hundred million dollars on this movie already. <laughs> And they're not going to not release it, even though they spent $100 million on another movie and, and aren't going to release it. Yeah, I was going to say, so it's like, feels like they should I, just send it straight to HBO. It just, that's the thing. Like, why not? Why? I don't. It seems like it would be the safer bet for them, honestly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, I, you know, I am somebody who actually loves the DCU, like, a lot. And I'm just Me so too. Mad, right? I, I've, Shazam is one of my top favorite movies of all time. And all right, well, I'm not going to go that far. I, yeah. No, wait, I love Shazam. It's so good. It's like a Christmas movie that I rewatch every year. <laughs> I have been a uh, – since – this is Danger Zone here. Ooh. But I have been a kind of Man of Steel apologist for huh. the last couple of years. Um, especially like upon rewatching, you giving me shit about Shazam. (laughs) Uh, To the point where I'm like, Man of Steel isn't a great movie, but you know, I I just like there's things about it that like I I really appreciate. Same thing with Batman vs Superman, and even the uh, the the ne'er to be mentioned again Zack Snyder Justice League. Like there's a lot of them. I'm like, oh wow, there's stuff here that could have worked. Yes, but that studio is just like killing that 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 whole franchise mm-hmm. top to bottom and yeah. that's my hesitation with the gun shaffron stuff it's like yeah okay cool like you brought on these guys to do this this relaunch yeah. of it but like is it still going to be the same shit again like no because and- guns uh suicide squad is an incredible movie yeah so yeah but that's here's the thing about that what was that aaron Go ahead, Joey. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say, like, here's the thing about that. Like, the Suicide Squad didn't have to open wide. Yeah. Like, that would to HBO Max. Like, it was like it opened in a time where people were hungry for that. The movie's great, and I love it. It's amazing. But I do wonder how it would have performed. So I'm coming to this point where I don't feel as though there should be in these studio type settings, even at Marvel as well, I don't feel as though there should be a singular voice when it comes to the creative aspect. of Yeah. Mm. Yes. I agree. Um, Because I don't necessarily know if I want, and I'm going to circle back around to a conversation many, many episodes about, I don't necessarily know if I want James Gunn's DNA in all of the, the movies. Ew. I don't know if I want that humor, that sort of Ragnarok-y sort of tone in all of the movies because I don't know if that will suit all of the characters. Mm -hmm. And I'm not claiming that it will, but I'm just saying, you know, people do what they know best. Yeah, Um, I don't know. And, 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 you know, and I, I would prefer that if there was an opportunity to do so, you know, get out Whitman, Hickman's whiteboard, man, and come up with a plan. Yeah. Come up with a plan that basically says this is the tone, even if it's as simple as 
we want this shared universe, but we recognize that, you know, nothing is a, is, you know, a monolith and, and that we want emotions to span. We want people to, you know, come out of it, come out of the different segments of this universe with, you know, different objectives, but we then put them all together and see how they all blend together to give you a very layered movie. Yeah. Um, My concern when they announce the slate is that it's going to be like, here's our slate. And it's like Superman written by James Gunn, Peacemaker, yeah, like, concerning. like Suicide Squad 2, The Flash, my point, yeah. directed by James Gunn. Like, I'm worried too, right? that be, yeah, it's going to be like, yeah, because like, it's going to be like, and I, this isn't exactly it, but like when Joss Whedon was like the one of the like architects of like the MCU for like a, a solid like eight movies mm. and like you could tell like oh there was some script doctoring in that scene and like the jokes were this and and this and that like in the in like phase two mainly mm-hmm. um so I do want like the the one thing that Kevin Feige has done well over at Marvel is like that dude is not a director. Or a writer, and he never puts himself in those spots. No, he has Hickman's whiteboard. (laughs) Exactly. So the the gun, even though gun is incredibly creative, and I love his work, I love a lot of his work. Um, I worry, like you're saying, Aaron. I don't know if I would have said putting his DNA in things. I think as as Chris said, uh, (laughs) I I, I do worry about I do worry about it it taking on that kind of uh, taking on more of a creative outlet, which is is tricky, trickier. The thing is, though, like you're saying, you know, Feige didn't do that, but the MCU is the the same. Like it's universally the same right the thing that the dcu that i liked was that each movie did feel different now was that not always a good thing yes but was it sometimes a good thing yes like suicide squad versus Sazam versus aquaman versus the first wonder woman are very different which really never happened look i'm trying to make fetch happen bronwyn the snyderverse (laughs) never happened look on wednesdays we wear pink okay like to your point, like the Suicide Squad is a James Gunn movie. Yeah. Aquaman is a, is a is like that team's movie. Yes, like, they, and that's like what that... I you know didn't happen in the MCU. Correct. So I don't I don't know. Uh, I I will disagree. They're a little very samey. I, I kind of will with Bob. I'm, I'm with Bob. They are they are certainly of a cast in that they are yeah. meant to all be part of a whole. But there's a, there's a there's a difference between what Kent Bernard did with Thor and what Joe Johnson did with Captain America, or what Favreau did with Iron Man. But they Iron feel Man. like they're a series, like they, they in yeah, a way the that movies, the DCU did. The movies didn't. within yeah, them, Winter with Soldier is very different yeah. than the first Avenger, but not well, as different as Shazam is from Suicide Squad. So I'm not. I, 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 you I can't put a universe. Is. You can't put a universe together in the way that they wanted to try to do. Mm-hmm. The, I think the best movies in the DC cinematic universe have been the ones that are different and that's uh, yeah. patty jenkins wonder woman and that is shazam and that is birds of prey and those yeah. and aquaman yeah. oh birds of prey oh, so, so good. I, I guess maybe i, really, I don't want a cinematic universe i, I just say i was continue to be movies say, i think you I both that have gonna... a good point on that one actually yeah. is that like i i do agree with bob that the there are quite a bit of subtle differences between all of the different sure. marvel movies but they do feel like a series the way chris is saying yeah. In a way that creates a Marvel Cinematic Universe. I think Phase 4 is starting to see a little bit more variation, which yeah. mm-hmm. is interesting and cool. But especially as you add in the TV shows, um, which definitely have a lot more flavor. Um, but yes, much more seasoning. Uh, much more seasoning. Yeah. Somebody a lot more DNA. Use, yes. Yeah. <laughs> 
Um, but I don't think the DCEU has ever actually been a cinematic universe. An EU? No. They haven't. Exactly. More and honestly, do. and this is the thing that <laughs> I think we're all saying here. I hope that they hold on to. Yeah. Because I think if they do anything, if they, if DC Comics and if DC film universe have done anything like it's it's the potentiality to have these very different yeah. stylized types of stories i agree right? like the batman gotham is Ugh. never going to be the same as metropolis no. yeah like and you should not try to make a superman movie and a batman movie of the same ilk and honestly right? that's where their strength lies like i agree i i I get that it's the big two and I get that there's always the Marvel versus DC thing and whatever, but I really think they both have something amazing to offer and they both have weaknesses that, you know, the other can kind of um, yeah. bolster up a little bit. Right. So like, yeah. I think where Marvel really leaned into the cinematic universe element, DC should lean away and, uh -huh. you know, like they've really at least and I know they're different entities. I really do. But like from a comics perspective, DC's out there killing it. Yes, uh -huh. you absolutely. Know, like, just are, which I never in a thousand years <gasps> I thought I would hear myself say, oh, Over my God, giggling. it threw up a little in my mouth. But are <laughs> you complimenting Batman? <gasps> uh, but they, I just I ruined you. <laughs> you did. You ruined me. You've done this to me. I don't even know. I don't recognize myself. But. It's true, you know, and I just feel like the cinematic universe could learn a lot from the I comics and agree. actually just we've lean been, right the hell into it. We've been saying this on this show for years, like yeah. the idea of like Elseworld stories, mm -hmm. yes. like, you know, telling every corner oh of this God, universe, yes. the black label stuff, the vertical stuff. Like DC has a wealth of stuff that is all different from each other. And yeah, right does that make it, it difficult when you're like, let's do a Justice League? Sure. But yeah. honestly, you get the right creators there after time. That could be the coolest thing in yeah. the world. Right? Yes, I agree. You know? 100%. But we're, Just we'll go have bananas. Instead, Holy we, shit. We're all concerned about is we will have batman superman ad infinitum yeah and oh, i'll yeah. just come yeah. back to that as opposed to these side characters yeah part of marvel's success is that they didn't have their Fucking main characters girls. they had sold them all off yeah. they didn't have the x-men didn't have the ff didn't have spider-man so they were mm -hmm. forced to use b c and d characters that then people fell in love with yeah Yep. Well, the, and Marvel <clears throat> is the universe outside your window, right? Like that was the thing. So it, 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 it's easier to create a world that is same enough mm -hmm. that these characters could be in a serialized story, right? Yeah. DC, historically speaking, and Bob, we, we don't have the time for it, but you could talk about all of the different publishers that mashed together and all the different l the publishing lines that had these different characters and they got mashed together and created the DC universe that we know now, right? So like that is one of the that 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 line's strengths. And yeah. if the films and the media and all of that play into that and can tell a justice society story while also telling this Shazam family story, while also telling this suicide story story and telling this Batman story. And they are separate and they are cool. And they are all these little pocket universes. Mm -hmm. You build that up enough. You have that multiverse. I think it could be awesome. People and would yeah, clamor to see them connective, like yeah. Easter yes. eggs, right? You could absolutely do that. It's and oh, yeah. you know, I'm going to actually say something complimentary about the Arrowverse. So strap in for a second. Oh, back, when, back when it started, okay, before it got to be the complicated mess that it was by the end, 
the way that they did the crossovers between Flash and Arrow when those were the only two shows going is the way you could do a Superman and Batman where it's like there are jokes about, you know, uh, Barry Allen being in this dark, grimy world and going, what the heck is going on? Why is there no sunlight? Right. And there's, you know, jokes about, um, you know, Ollie trying to sneak around in the sunlight and being like, where are the shadows? And that's clever. That was good. And you have Kara and Barry doing a musical episode and you freaking love it. it right? Perfect. Yes. Oh, that was good. Oh, simpler times. R.I.P. The musical Arrow episode Arrow. of Flash Supergirl. It was so no good. R.I.P. Greg Berlanti just signed another yes. deal with uh, WB. He's going to be with them for another like, five years. I, when I did <laughs> emotional R.I.P. I mean, this is the last year of The Flash, which, thank God, it's time to kill it. Um, it's been time to kill it for like five seasons, so. All right. Well, anyway, <laughs> I wasn't expecting that anyway. to be controversial. So, Renfield. <laughs> yeah. So good. Renfield is good. So huh? good. Amazing. Um, I think we can probably. Uh, well, we we just talked about it a little bit. The Arrowverse co-creator Greg Berlanti yeah. signs. Major hey, look at that! Look at that segue. <laughs> let's end this Boom. thing. It's like three let's hours long thing. already. Uh, let's talk about the books that we're looking forward to this week. Bob, what do you plan on picking up? Well, we have Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur number two, Monica Rambeau Photon number two, uh, an Avengers miniseries called War Across Time that's written by Paul Levis and, and drawn by Alan Davis. But That's crazy. My, I, my number one for the week is a number one. It's Black Cloak number one. Ah, Hell yeah. by Kelly Thomas and <laughs> Meredith McLaren, the team from Heart in the Box. Yes. And Hinges, too. Hinges was excellent. Go and check it out. Uh, tri- Meredith McLaren. Triple link ahead, first Bob. issue, $4.99. Oh, my God. Love that. Go and follow Meredith McLaren on Instagram. She does this amazing thing where she draws herself into like real life situations but in every situation that she's in whether she's in the airport or at the park or wherever she's catching pokemon it's absolutely amazing cool i love it um i've loved her for god years uh very very excited to see that creative team get together and, and do something really cool uh joey what are you looking at this week um, a lot of what Bob had listed already. Also, Know Your Station number two. Um, Jody Hauser's got a new one for Dark Horse called Assassin's Apprentice. Uh, Black Panther number 13 and X-Men number 18. Sweet. Aaron, how about you? Um, X-Men 18, Wonder Woman. I think I'm going to give another shot. Uh, Mouse Mouse Spider-Man comes out again. Uh, Legion of X number nine. Wildcats I've actually been enjoying, believe it or not. Photon number two. Uh, and the deadlock number five, I think, is almost the end. Sweet. Uh, Chris, are you looking forward to anything this week? Anything dropping I, on Webtoon? Um, probably. I don't <laughs> I don't know offhand. I'm going to try to be reading a ton of uh, uh, DC Ultra right now. So whatever pops up there will be what I'm reading this week. Nice. Yeah, I should know. Do I know? No, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I find out when it happens. <laughs> Bronwyn, do you have a, a mental checklist of stuff that's coming out this week? I have a few things. I'm going to get caught up on this Mystic Prince because i got to apparently pick a prince. <laughs> that uh, was what that sound was. <laughs> I was look. teasing Bronwyn because I heard the music from Mystic Prince start playing. <laughs> I was betrayed by Webtoons, okay? <laughs> it should be on mute. Everything is on mute. <laughs> I went to check it out. Um yeah, obviously be my villain because I can't not uh, defects. Yes. I'm obsessed. Um, yes. 
I'm also, in terms of my novels reading, I'm going to be starting Count Your Lucky Stars this week by Alexandria Belfleur. So I'm excited about that one, too. Mm. Very cool. All right. What do I got here? Where are my notes? Here they are. Uh, on the DC end of things, obviously, I'm not going to be able to touch this stuff for a month, but whatever. Uh, Batman and the Joker, the Deadly Duo, number three. Batman Incorporated, number four. Woo. The Human Target, number 10. Uh, I am Batman 17. And Lazarus Planet Alpha, number one, starts this week. Isn't uh, Damien a big part of that one? <gasps> I, I don't know. I think My so. Maybe. My <laughs> love. Um... I've also got uh, Black Cloak, Daredevil number seven, Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur number two, Monica Rambeau Photon number two, X-Men 18, uh, and then a couple from the review folder, the Bone Orchard Mythos, 10,000 Black Feathers number five, hmm. Grim number seven, everybody should read Grim, it's awesome, uh, Joey mentioned Know Your Station number two, uh, The Least We Can Do number five is coming out. Little Monsters, number nine. Something is Killing the Children, 28. And Two Graves, number three. Uh, Two Graves, number two was kind of cool, by the way. And that's going to do it. Uh, does anybody have any statements, anything they'd like to share or announce uh, before we get out of here? Um, you should check out Gotham Outsiders. This week's episode is David R. Slayton coming on. And Woo! he is reviewing the Red Robin uh, solo series from like a decade ago, maybe longer. Uh, and uh, the newest episode of Thirsty on Tune is us doing our favorite books of 2022 with TJ. Queer and uh, review. Was, queer and review. And it was so much fun. So if you want about a million book rev uh, recommendations to make your TBR impossibly long, you should listen to it. It's an awesome episode. I loved it. Oh, thank you. Uh, and for those of you out there in movie land, I'm looking at it right now on mute, but the new um, Ant-Man Quantumania Ooh. trailer is out. So <sighs> go, and, uh, go and peep that. Uh, anybody else got any final statements? Anything they want to? Any birthdays? Mm -mm. Food recommendations? Nothing? All right. <laughs> Food recommendations. I mean, there is a birthday coming up. Uh, yeah, we can get uh, to that next week, though. Uh, <laughs> That's true. There's enough of us at this point that there should always be a birthday coming up. Just keep in mind, 19th of January. Very <laughs> special day. It is the day that our host with the most... <gasps> Turns the age, the answer to the universe, life, <gasps> and everything. Wow. That's the best age. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty oh, excited yeah. about it. That makes one of us. Steve, <laughs> you were born exactly a month before me and like a few years. <laughs> <laughs> Look, he's my young buck. <laughs> I know. Yeah, no, oh, it's all good. He's Birthdays still a few years older than me. me. I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Anyway, um, anyway, Redfield. <laughs> anyway, Redfield should just be our oh, segue. Wait, hold on. Wait, wait, wait. Before we get out of here, the uh, contenders for this week's episode title. We have slightly above average La La Ladyland. Uh, no, sorry, La La Landlady. Uh, this one's kind of my favorite. Setting fire to the Cider House rules. Uh, Who said that? We were talking about Tobey Maguire earlier. It's the one Tobey Maguire oh, movie gosh. we didn't mention. That is so funny. Uh, snorting Cookies is another one. 
good. Uh, Lord Byron and all his biscuits. <laughs> oh, I did like that. that way. And get better or die. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think that's the winner. Oh, Which I did one? love to get, get better, better or, or die. die. <laughs> get better or die. All right. Is, are we in agreement here? I mean, I was a fan of Lord Byron. What was the what was which the one? one? Which one did you like, Joey? Ego, probably. Yes, that's what it was. Yeah. Oh, ego, you probably. You didn't put that one down. Ego probably I, wasn't I my favorite. I did write it Steve, down Steve and then I deleted that, it. Steve already decided that that wasn't the title, and you know why? Well, ego, probably. Probably. <laughs> that's, that's my favorite. I also think Anyway Renfield would be a very funny one. <laughs> yes. I guess this is just the millennial contingent. Yeah, you know what? You guys can have your own titles. I agree. I guess. Gen Gen Xers over there. Yeah, we just get each other's humor, Joey, I think. And Bronwyn's an official, uh, unofficial millennial. She can join in. I appreciate you. I do like Anyway Renfield, but I don't like titles that have commas in them. (laughs) Wow. Maybe it's not a comma. Anyway, anyway Renfield. Renfield. Yeah, you don't have to comma. You can decide. Anyway, You're the one writing yeah. this. You can decide where the punctuation I is. I think I'm gonna I'm gonna roll I'm gonna roll a die and see what we land on. All right. If you, wanna be a, if you wanna be also, a coward, fine. <laughs> also sea biscuit. Uh, the Toby <laughs> Maguire one is also good. <laughs> Right. <laughs> Toby McGuire is Seabiscuit. Yes, yeah, Toby McGuire as Seabiscuit. Toby McGuire as Seabiscuit. That's my new favorite. What was the movie where Toby McGuire and Jake Gyllenhaal played brothers because they look similar? Oh my god! Is that wait? Is that the one where they're both in love with the same woman too? Yes. Oh my god! Oh my god! It's called The Brother-in-Law. I think it's so terrifying. <laughs> Toby McGuire is terrifying. Oh terrifying. The two of them are terrifying. Toby McGuire as Seabiscuit. That's going to be really great for artwork. I'm doing it. It's called Brothers. It's called, it's called Brothers. Brothers. You're right. It's scary. It's like a lifetime y kind of movie. Yeah. Here we go. We've anyway, reached the end of this anyway, week's Redfield. edition of the Talking Comics podcast. <laughs> anyway, Renfield. <laughs> As always, you can send us your comments or questions through our email podcast at talkingcomicbooks.com. Uh, we got a very lovely email from uh, our friend Joe. I'll have to send to the group uh, wishing everybody a happy new year and basically going through the whole cast and saying what he enjoys about everybody's contributions to the show. So I'll send that all Aww, out so to sweet. you. Yeah, and every, everyone made the list. It was very lovely. nobody was left out this time (laughs) nope uh we are also on twitter even though i haven't tweeted anything in weeks uh sorry about that i just don't have the energy hate twitter um that's at talking comics but we are also on hive also at talking comics and there's behind the scenes for tonight's episode on there so sweet uh and there's also uh talking was it talking comics podcast on instagram aaron I'm going to be posting some of the little uh, screenshots we've got from today's episode. Yes. There was something that Chris said in the chat that I thought should go up there. That was, <laughs> okay. I'll find it and I'll send it to you. Uh, Bob, where can our listeners find you? Old fashioned email. Bob Ryer at talkingcomicbooks.com. Joey. Uh, you can't find me. <laughs> <laughs> I refuse to be found. You can, you can email me, Joey at talkingcomicbooks.com. All right. Aaron. I legitimately forgot for a second. <laughs> uh, John is at John P. Actually, no, he's off the grid. He said he took everything down or doesn't. Oh, wait, sorry. Uh, what is it? Bor- born. 
Born Jerkle or something like that. Born <laughs> Jerkle. Born Jerkle. Your own Jerkle. Your Jerkle. B O H N Jerkle. Yeah. J U R K L E. I think. Uh, Bronwyn, what is your online information that you are okay with people having? <laughs> you can find me. You can try and find me at Shiny no. Baby B. <laughs> not very active. <laughs> Chris, what is the super summarized version of where people can find you? <laughs> you can find all of my various social medias at linktree.com slash the myth of psyche to find me on all the bajillion places and all the bajillion podcasts. There you have it. Uh, watch the feed for more shows coming at you soon, uh, including some announcements as we get our acts together. Uh, I am at dead underscore anchorus on all of the things. Thank you, everybody, so much for joining us. Thank you for listening. Be excellent to each other. And until next time on the Talking Comics Podcast, to be continued. Your Real voice, your better. voice is so is so deep and so calm that it doesn't always register. Like it doesn't show on the. It, it, makes the wavelength. Me, it does make me wonder if I'm like, is it actually on? Am I recording? <laughs> Am I even on? here? <laughs> it's like ASMR, though. I love listening yes. to Aaron talk. <laughs> it reminds me. I don't know. I'm, I might be yeah. Bob. My Bob and I might be in this. Low. I don't know. What was a uh, was it Anna Gasteyer? And whoever else on Saturday Night Live when they would do their PBS, uh, oh, the, oh yeah. God, the, yes. the NPR show, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, the, yeah the NPR well, show. that's so it. That's kind Which of that turned into Baldwin sweaty balls, sweaty yeah. balls, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like it was like, hi, I'm sweaty balls, exactly. <laughs> this is uh, you're listening to NPR. Uh, exactly. This is the entirely ASMR podcast this of is, Talking uh, Comics. Talking Comics. <laughs> Welcome to Talking Sweaty Comics, balls. the ASMR version of Talking Comics. <laughs> now let's clink our, we'll, clink we'll our quiet, nails yeah, we'll against be. glasses. Just, <laughs> just a little. Aaron and I will break out Vaughn Harper, right, Aaron? Okay, we'll, go. We'll, we'll go full circle on this. Is this Listen a show? The sound of my vape. <laughs> like, you'll have half the audience like sifting through their like their record collection, and the other half reaching for poppers. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> <laughs>